Whoops. Here we go. Uh-oh. No, we're good. We're fine. Mason? Noah? Last show of 2021. You feeling it? Oh, I'm feeling it, Mr. Krabs. Me too. So I have an extra special song for us today. It's a song oh, that... <laughs> don't say it like that. <laughs> don't immediately <laughs> assuming this is going to be the... Ba- I'm never going to get these five minutes back of my life. Um, <laughs> which is, I guess, true technically if, you know, you listen to the podcast, you're never getting this time Well, I'm not going to get the, the prior 28 years of my life back either technically, so what's another five minutes? Hey, amen to that. Uh, this is a song that you and I both really like, actually. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and I thought about not doing it, actually, because I like it so much. <laughs> because I like it so much, I almost didn't want to parody it. But Well, you know what I they actually, say. What do they say? Parodying is the, is the sincerest form of flattery. That's true. Some people say that. Couldn't tell mm-hmm. you who, but I guess some people out there are saying it. Um, so I thought about not doing this. Truthfully, because I was like, fuck, this song is actually so good. But then I thought <laughs> okay. about it, and I guess just like last week, um, I've actually done this song before, but not in its entirety. Um, okay. So I'm actually, let's have some fun. This beat is sick. Yeah, I want to take a ride in your disco stick. Ready? I know. Let's go. Yeah. Long December, and there's reason to believe Noah will be talking about his farting ass. I can't remember if Mason likes when I do the shit. Mason, why don't you touch some grass? And it's one more day of doing podcasts. And Mason's never seen the family guy. And if you think Peter grabbing his knee is funny, well, it makes me cry. Na 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 smell of my stink hole and Peter and the feeling that we watch a lot of content but no stew and all at once you look across a crowded zoom to see if Peter's calling his friend Mort a Jew and it's one more day of doing podcasts Been a while since I've watched Family Guy And if you think bird is the word is funny Well it makes me cry Na 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 yeah wow 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 yeah uh, yay yay 
drove up to the drunken clam sometime after 2 a.m. and talked a little while with Quag. It's been a long time, do you miss me? Work has gotten really busy And I'd love to talk, but I got a long pot And there's reason to believe Noah will be talking about his farting ass can't remember all the times I've tried to tell myself to light them as quickly I pass some gas. And it's one more day of doing podcasts. And it's one more night in Hollywood. And it's been so long since I've seen the Griffins. I guess I should. Na 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 yeah yeah na 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 Wanted to go. I want. I wanted to actually be a little sweet this week with it. Yeah, that was sweet. Here, here. I'm gonna give you a score on on camera right now. Just, just stay for the audience with the score I'm giving you. Ten. Ten fingers. Perfect. Ten. Ten out Thank of ten. You, chef. Good job. Thanks, uh, you're welcome. You know what? It's nice to return to old favorites, to uh, revamp and revitalize things, parodies. <laughs> musicals that's true. that's true no you're right no you're right i just yeah. it was it's the last show of the year it's coming out on new year's eve yeah. a long december i was like you it know has what been a long december it's been a long december the last two weeks especially yeah. uh really fucking <laughs> really fucking long because of this fucking omicron shit back in the world yeah. my man I had a, everything a little. I had to do an at-home test. I had a scare that I learned about right when I had got home from the city. But uh, I'm all good. My family's all good. Thank God. Yeah, it's my se- it's my as far as I know my second close call with the vid. Um, knock on wood. It's my last close call. Before. <laughs> call- yeah. Most people call it the Rona, but you're going with the vid. I'm going with the vid. Yeah. That's good. I'm going with That's the smart. vid on this one. Because uh, I'm different. 
I'm, You're not like I'm other just, podcast co-hosts. No, I'm not like other podcast co-hosts. Uh, you know why? Yeah, well, how? Well, no, how? Because I'm bald. <laughs> you want to know how I lost this hair? <laughs> My father was a barber. And <laughs> he likes to cut people's hair all the way off. Until he did it. So he did it to me. Kind of cool. In, and, he, and so he did it to me. Yeah. It'd be nuts if I had like an actual like hairline. Just like some... Like just some like Robert Redford hair kind of hair or, or something like that, but I'm doing this like whatever the situation is right now, just because that's how I was raised to. <laughs> do, do you it, think? I guess. Do you think other people walk into barber shops and go give me the Mason? <laughs> they bet. Hey, not yet, but maybe For someday real? soon. <laughs> Let's get that fucking going out there. Hash. Let's get if that you want to, yeah. if you want to get the Mason out in the zeitgeist, like the Rachel or the Beehive, or what's a what's a men's popular haircut the crew caesar cut, i guess crew cut yeah what's the remember caesar? it it was like in the uh it's kind of like that that thing that mark zuckerberg has but it was like big in the 90s because that's what george clooney's haircut was on er for a little while like he was rocking that sort of uh let me look let me just send a picture of this to you real quick um thanks that's called the caesar well that's like kind of what his yeah 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 but it's it, if you look at a picture of uh um, yeah, it, it, that's what, that is the Clooney Caesar, as I understand it. Uh, but if you see a picture of Mark Zuckerberg, he's trying to do a Caesar cut, um, and it's not so, uh, uh, successful. Welcome to It's On The List, the podcast about underrated albums, Ooh, movies, and a whole wee. lot more. Mostly Ooh, family wee. guy, mostly farting, mostly shitting your pants. I am, uh, chairman of the board, because I'm bored. Mm-hmm doing this mm-hmm. uh no marger with me as always is the hottest co-host in the land someone i next time i see i'm gonna fuck <laughs> yeah podcasting's most eligible bachelor uh tied for most eligible bachelor mason mcguire mason hello how's your christmas hey uh even though we had a small gathering at home this year we host christmas every year uh, smaller than years past, bigger than last year. Um, still kind of exhausting. And I went to bed at eight o'clock once all the festivities were done. I was just plum wow. tired, but you know what? I had a nice time. I got an instant pot. I got a, oh, actually I got, my sister really came in clutch with her gift to me. Uh, cause she got me this thing. Wow. Is that a coloring a, book for adults? It's a board game. It's, oh, it's uh, a board game. For, okay. To the audience at home, my sister, uh, past guest Kellen McGuire, got me L, the Chicago Transit Adventure board game. And basically, you're a player and you're trying to uh, navigate the city using various <laughs> transit uh, guides. <laughs> sounds like, like my last day and a half so, in fucking Chicago. It sounds like I've played that game yeah. in real life and had a terrible yeah. time and would not recommend it at all. <laughs> again i just want to say i just want to say you had an awful time navigating the transit system in chicago without your boy present but well, here's, what I'll, around, say. here's what I'll say here's what i'll say it actually wasn't hard navigating the transit system because you taught me like really well the day and a half that we did spend together it was just i'm so not used to relying on public transit and just things just kind of had that 
butterfly effect, like sliding door. Where it's like, oh, if I had gotten on a certain bus like that I just missed, or if I had gotten on yeah. one train earlier, like I would have made certain yeah. things. So it was just one of those, one of those. <laughs> anything can happen in the Chicago minute, which. As we know, is five minutes, right? A Chicago yeah. minute is actually five yeah. regular minutes. Yeah. But how was your how was your holidays? What did you do yesterday? Anything special? Um, no. To be totally honest with you, yesterday was yesterday was really boring. If I'm being honest, because uh, I'm in a weird spot because I'm flying home like after the major holiday rush, and because of this new Omicron variant, uh, that is. <laughs> spreading. Uh, yeah. I don't want to get it before I go home because then I don't get to go home when I'm supposed to go home. I have an event, like tickets to see something when I'm in Portland. I have friends who are going to be like in town at the same time who I want to see. Obviously want to see mm-hmm. my grandparents and my parents and it will just be better. So I'm like, and like 75% of the shit that I had tickets for basically between this last Monday when we're recording in the end of the year were canceled because of the rising sure. COVID numbers. So I just didn't, and nothing's open. <laughs> so I just sat around and prepped for this show, went to a diner mm. in Silver Lake. Shout out to the Astro Family Diner in Silver Lake. You ever get over there? Uh, Astro Family Diner. Uh, is it like a classic diner kind of situation? They have a big neon star on the outside. It's kind of by Silver yeah. Lake Boulevard. Yeah, I went there. It's, uh, Fletcher once. and Silver Lake. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Specifically, I went there once after a shift at the Vape Factory to read um Richard Price to get a little pa- some pages on in Richard Price's Lush Life, which is a great uh, crime novel, and have a plate of french fries and a green tea. And it was a very relaxing, I think that was probably like 10.30 to midnight that I was there on like Hell a Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. And guess what? Great spots. They're open all the time because they're a 24-hour fucking spot. And I love that about them. Mm-hmm. So went there, had a Western omelet, no tomatoes. Fuck Yummy. tomatoes in a, an omelet. Sorry, it's my opinion. Um... Dude, stop. 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 <laughs> Fucking knock that off, dude. Telling you about my day. Ha! Got it. He's flipping me off really hard. Uh, no, I'm but flipping yeah, off tomatoes, dude. <laughs> oh, you're flipping off tomatoes? No. Yeah. No, no. You're flipping <laughs> off me and you're saying you're flipping off tomatoes. Fucking asshole. Yeah, but yesterday's, dude, it's just been boring this week. Like, I'm just, it's been boring and it's like, the weather's been shitty, so it's like, if there is anyone around, I'm like, you know, like I'm saying, these two weeks specifically, I don't want to fucking miss my flight, because I went to go see, like, I literally had tickets to go see Knights of Kiberia at the Lemley Playhouse in Pasadena, because they're fucking mm-hmm. ter- turning it into condos, I think, or a parking garage or something, Yeah, um, which is just insane, and I just remember going, most, I mean, Pasadena's, you know, still in LA, so it's fucking, you know, it's not Hicksville, where you're from. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. I'm mm-hmm. just kidding, Mason. Mason, I don't want you to fucking go insane if I say something mean about your, where you're from. So I'm saying just kidding so say, that you don't go insane. Say whatever you want about where I'm from, man. You don't know it. <laughs> and uh, there's just nobody There's just nobody wearing a mask in the theater, Like even though they're not eating or drinking. Come and I'm like, on. I do not want to maybe get this for watching yeah. Knights of Kiberia. Like, if I really yeah. want to watch Knights of Kabir, I'll just do it at my house. So I just left. I straight up left the theater, and I wanted to go there because they're closing it down, but whatever. It's been weird. 
uh, yeah, that <laughs> sucks, dude. I'm sorry. Sounds like a big old bummer. Yeah. A little bit. It is what it is. After the uh, after I go back, I'll just be like, okay, I'm going to do my shit. And if I get it, I get it. You know, it's like, okay, I'm fully vaxxed, I'm boosted, but I just don't want to fuck up my travel plans. You know, like that's what really is yeah. the reason behind it. But I had time to prep for this and I put a lot of work in, Mason. So why don't we just do Let's the just podcast do it. for Noah. once in our lives? What are we doing today? What are we doing today? Oh, Mason, I'm so glad you asked. This is part two of two. This is the last one <laughs> of the mm. wrap-up series for 2021. These are our mm. top ten of 2021. Snap, 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 snap. Mason. As we go on, one, we remember, we remember all our movies. All we our didn't movies watch together. We didn't watch together. College gave me a different outlook, and I got sucked off on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I DM'd her, said, come over. She said, never. That's a bummer. All right. Mason. All right. Just like last week, we talked about our 10 favorite first watches of 2021, movies that we saw for the first time that didn't come out in the year of our Lord 2021. This week, we're talking about yeah. our 10 favorite movies that did happen to come out in the year of our Lord 2021 with five honorable mm-hmm. mentions. And the mm-hmm. only real rules is that they had to have come out in wide release in 2021. That's it. It's the only rule. Mm-hmm. And we had talked, you and I, previously about... Do we include other shit in this list like we did last year? We decided to just Mm -hmm. do movies because last year was quite literally (laughs) an anomaly in the sense that we weren't going to the theaters. But this year we were, again. And uh, I said we should probably just focus on movies. But are there anything outside of the realm of feature films or just movies in general that you want to shout out from this year before we actually dive into our lists? Uh, just a couple of albums that have been on my mind. I was thinking about like if I had five to shout out from this year, what they would be. And I just want to give them quick, 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 quick shouts out. Just go and listen to them. Two albums that we've covered on the show already. Liam Kazar's Due North, Claire Rousset's A Softer Focus. And then three that I listened to um, that we did not cover on the show. Squids, A Bright Green Field, Lingua Ignota's Sinner Get Ready, and... Um, uh, Macy Stewart's Mouthful of Glass. Those are, I think, my five favorite albums from this year. Again, we covered two on the show. Shouts out and honorable mention to Nature of Things by Subsonic Eye. Um, but I didn't do a ton of, yeah, music listening or album listening this year that I was, like, really tracking and keeping, like, kind of keeping track of. Um, that's just my relationship to music as I listen to it when I feel like it. And sometimes I just don't. Um, but nice. there's good music that came out this year. But that's it. Didn't want to spend too much time on this. Um, but, uh, yeah, do you want to just get started? Do you have anything else you want to shout out ahead of time? All shouts out. All shouts out. Uh, what the fuck is Due North <laughs> by Liam Kazar as well. Yeah. Uh, and all shouts out Claire Rousset's A Softer Focus. And I'll shout out three other albums and some TV as There well. we go. Very cool. Mm-hmm. The other albums that I got to shout out. Hot and Heavy by Lucy Dacus. Woohoo. Great album. Maybe was my album of the year until I heard something quite literally yesterday uh, that maybe is actually my album of the year. Uh, Juno by our friend Remy Wolf. 
Shout out Remy Ooh. Wolf. She had her debut album this year. And I'm similar to you, Mason. I don't devour music and albums from the given year or just in general the same way that I do movies. And that's why I'm like, we should just talk yeah. about fucking movies on this episode. But I heard an album quite literally yesterday because I saw some people posting about it on Instagram. I was just was interested because like a bunch of people who I'm not a bunch, a handful of people who I'm friends with who I don't think know each other or like have a strong relationship to each other. were all posting about a specific album. So I was like, hmm. I got to check this out before I record with Mason tomorrow so I can maybe ch- shout this out. And it might be my favorite album of 2021. I've only spent a day and cool. some change with it. But this album is so good. It is called Absolutely by Dijon. Interesting. I haven't heard that. And I don't know if I'm even saying it right. It's D-I-J-O-N. I believe that's usually Dijon, right? Am I correct in that? That sounds about right, yeah. Could be Dion if they're being fancy with it. So I apologize if this per- if that of you ever come across this and I said it wrong. But that album is fucking fire. Um, cool. So that, that's good. And then the two, the three seasons of TV I got to shout out. Season three of Joe Pera Talks With You. Another banger season from those boys and those girls over there. Season two of I Think You Should Leave. Funnier than the last. Hope that show runs forever. Maybe not forever, but for a long time. Uh, and then what's currently airing, and I can't believe how good it is, is season two with How To with John Wilson. Uh, mm-hmm. it, every episode is better than the last. It is so fucking good. And if you're not watching How To with John Wilson, you have a lot to look forward to in your life. Because yeah. season one is really good, and I think season two is even better, and somehow every episode keeps getting better. So shout out. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, it, I season I agree with you with how to with John Wilson. Um, I was watch trying to catch up with season two, um, the night before Christmas actually, and I was watching the How to Recycle Batteries episode. And any time oh, so that good. he, so good. And any time that he panned over and there was just a dead rat, on the ground, yeah, I know. so gross. Was one of the one of the so gross and one of the funniest things I've seen on TV in a, in a minute. Um, so definitely check that show out on HBO Max if you haven't already. But um, cool. The only other thing I'll shout but, out before we get into our fucking mm-hmm. lists, and Mason, you will like that I'm doing this. You will think this mm-hmm. is okay. cool. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 2021, I got to see you in person for the first time in a long time. That was one of my favorite things about 2021, too, was getting a chance to see and hang out with my buddy Noah for a whole day, a whole ass day in the city that I love, the city of And recorded in person. You know, it was, mm-hmm. we had a day in Chicago, a full ass day. I think that is the, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, I, I took almost 30,000 steps that day. That was huge uh, for me that day. Yeah, I don't have the number in front of me and I don't want to open my phone to check it, but that we... Did a decent amount of walking around the city. We got hot dogs. We got pizza. We went to the movies. Um, and we you saw the best of downtown. And I just can't wait to come see you again. And I can show you a little yes, bit bro. more around the city. I know. And I I'm excited. And, I've been, yeah. been crafting what will be my Southwest tour, which I'm hopefully going to do you know, spring of this coming year. And mm. then a really fucking big one that I don't know if I will able get to be able to get to do it anytime soon but hopefully one day i'll get to do it it would be a long one and it would take me basically east all throughout the east of the mississippi and into canada but that is not the discussion of the day and i could talk about that forever but those are the things i want to shout out outside of our 10 faves and five honorable mentions but mason 
I started mm-hmm. with the honorable menchies last time. You go ahead and give yeah. us your five honorable menchies first this time. Yeah. So unlike uh, my best new watches, I did actually rank this one. And I will say that ranking both the honorable menchies and my list was more agonizing <laughs> than Damn. the new to me watches. I went to, I saw 40 movies from this year, most of which I did see in theaters and all but one movie on either my end of year list, um, I did end up making to the theaters to to see. Um, but to start off, here's my honorable mentions. I will not spend much time on them. Coming in at number 15, James Wan's Malignant, a tremendously silly creature feature and reminder that you should have fun watching horror movies. My Mercedes Valuable Player for that one is the team that brought the creature Gabriel to life. <laughs> yeah. So costume design. Yeah. So, costume designer Lisa Norica, contortionist Marina Mazepa, and Twisty Troy James, and the Spectral Motion team, and the team at Fractured FX that brought that uh, creepy guy to life there. Malignant's a ton of fun. Hope you guys watch it. Uh, number 14, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, a vibrant and electric revival which makes uniformly smart updates to the source material. Stevie Spiels remains undefeated in my eyes. My MVP for that one is actually Justin Peck, who's the choreographer, who I think had the toughest job um, on set, just finding a way to modify and play with the uh, iconic Jerome not Jerome Robbins. Uh, is that Jerome Robbins who was the original yes. choreographer? Please don't yell at me in my DMs. Okay, Jerome Robbins, the original choreographer, and found a way to use that and also um, give us something new and something that was wholly original to this this movie here. Uh, I had a tremendous time at that movie. Still in theaters. Please go watch it. Uh, number 14, this is the only film that I didn't watch 13? in theaters. I 13, thank you. I didn't watch in theaters. I watched this on a uh, screening link from the Chicago Film Festival. And that's Ryosuke Hamaguchi's Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, a triptych anthology of choice, regret, and unexpected connection. Uh, this is a real sweet surprise. Um, and it was uh, the f- kind of the uh, the spark that set off a discovery and dive into Hamaguchi's work that I've been um, really eager and having a good time visiting throughout the end of this year. Uh, my MVP for that one is the final vignette once again. Or called one, which is titled once again, rather, uh, which is about a um, missed connection that um, uh, takes some uh, really unexpected twists and turns, and is a great little, I guess we'll call it brief encounter kind of thing. Uh, number twelve. Uh, this one actually, you no, know, do you have the drops ready? <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Okay. What's up? Which one? This is my uh, biggest drop. Biggest drop. Thank you. Uh, this film here had a spot in my top five, uh, but as I was doing some shuffling around, moved down, but it's still worth seeing, still worth mentioning. Uh, and that is Leo Carax's Annette, uh, the rock opera, uh, a rock opera tragedy, and one of the most audacious original movies of the year. It is transcendent in its commitment to itself. Uh, my MVP for this one are the Mayel brothers, who wrote the entire rock opera there. Uh, and some really just infectious and catchy uh, melodies that have stuck in my head. Uh, also, I want to give a special shout-out to Adam Driver. His performance as um, Henry is one of my favorite of the year. And number 11, a film that I did a lot of moving around on my list, but is ending up in the, I guess we'll call it, finalist position here, even though these are all finalists in my mind. Uh, And that is uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Um, It taps into recent fears brought on by the quarantine, staying in one place while time happens around you, Um, watching your kids grow old, watching people um, kind of uh, grow and change around you, uh, the kind of terrifying ways that that can, and the sort of the innate terror of that. Um, 
But it also has one of M. Night's tr- most morally tricky twists where you – once you understand what's happening on the beach, it kind of creates this this moral question of if they are doing the right thing and if shutting that down – if they do shut it down is, is the right thing to do. Uh, I think it's a tremendously giving movie that people uh, will be coming back to for years. Uh, and my MVP for that one is, of course, The Beach That Makes You Old. Uh, so those are my five honorable mentions. Noah, what do you got for us, chef? Uh, I got some honorable mentions as well. Real quick, just to recap, you had Malignant, West Side Story, mm-hmm. Wheel of Fortune mm-hmm. of Fantasy, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, Annette, and Old. Mm-hmm. Correct? Those were the and five. Old. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love M. Night to death as a man and as a guy. Wasn't crazy mm-hmm. about Old, uh, yep. just as a film. Uh, tried watching Annette <laughs> and did not finish it. Um... Have not seen Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, but is still on my list. Mm-hmm. West Side Story, I was not as crazy about as some other folks in this world was, but it's not bad by any means. I just wasn't mm-hmm. like, holy fuck, about that movie like some other people in, in the world were. Um, and number 15 was, sorry, one more time. Malignant. Malignant, that's right. I saw Malignant uh, at the Glendale <laughs> Galleria AMC. Uh, there's parts of that movie that I really like, but as a whole, it just, I don't know, doesn't work for me. Ultimately, doesn't work for me. But there's some parts of that movie I really like, and I think James Wan's a great director on the whole. Kind of in the same, I kind of feel the same way about Malignant as I do about Old. I like Malignant a little bit more than Old, but it's like, I normally like those guys. There's something about that that was just, it wasn't really clicking for me. I didn't really, didn't really vibe Mm. with it, but let's get in to my honorable menchies. Woo. Number 15. Number 15 is quite literally Biggest Draw. I oh, just boy. gargantuan, just cataclysmic drop for wow. me. I had this movie in my top five as well. At one point, at number two. Mm. And I moved it all the way down after doing some long and hard thinking, some Dark Night of the Soul shit on this one. Mm-hmm. Um,. Watch that on the toilet for this dark night. Dark night for for the biggest drop of all time. A dark night on the toilet. The dark night drops. (laughs) The dark night takes a The dark night takes a shit. When you think about your placement of this film, then you have my permission to drop. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody cared who I was until I took my number two film and moved it to my number fifteen slot. Until you took a number two with this film. Dude, a lot of people are thinking that. A lot of people are thinking that. And I wanted to keep it on the list somewhere. because It's on the list. We said the name of the show in the show. Um, Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to keep it on because I don't... I'm not necessarily going to come out and defend this movie outright, but I don't think it's as bad as people are saying it is. I watched this movie on December 9th at the TCL Chinese Theater. First time I'd ever been to the Chinese Theater, so shout out to the Chinese Theater for that. Directed by Adam McKay, that's Mr. Don't Look Up. Don't Look mm-hmm. Up. People don't like this movie at all. <laughs> People are like yeah. hating on this movie big time. When I walked out of the theater, I watched that movie with Chef Dustin. Unfortunately, like I said in a previous episode, Dustin hit his head on his uh, the tip of his penis really hard uh, as we walked into yeah. the theater. So he like had severe brain trauma from that, which was really too bad. So shout out to Dustin. Hope you're doing okay from that. So I wouldn't listen to him about anything he has to say about this movie. But because of that, Normally, he's a good guy to listen to. Um, mm. <laughs> but uh, I loved it when we walked out. I was like, hell yeah, that was awesome. 
And he was like, that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, oh, mm. that's crazy. And we just did not talk on the way back to my house from seeing that movie. Um, I guess I understand why people don't like it at the end of the day. But I think it's over. I think this movie is getting overreacted uh, by a lot of people. And I actually think for the reasons why it's getting shit on are actually reasons in the movie that they talk about. So I actually think it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy in that way for this film. I don't think this is a great movie by any means, but I do think it's an interesting movie, and I do think that it's not nearly as bad as people are giving it credit for, or not giving it credit for, I should say. And I'll just give my Mercedes Viable player to the sort of sense of outrage and the anger that you feel in this movie. Mm -hmm. That was probably my favorite aspect of it, and that's why I liked it so much, because I felt like in a lot of ways it articulated this really sense of rage and outrage that I had been feeling in one way or another different levels for the last five, six years, and specifically these last two years. Not that that was well done, but tread lightly. (laughs) I guess don't tread on me on this one. Um, So that's my number 15, biggest drop. Number 14, watch this on November 3rd at my L.A. apartment on the Showtime Anytime app, Mm. directed by... Janixa Bravo, Zola. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go. Hell yeah. Zola. This movie uh, that, movie, that movie is a ton of fun. I had a spot for that movie on my top 15. I think right now on Letterboxd, it's my number 17. So it's just missing my list. Um, but that movie is a blast and a half. I saw that movie twice in theaters and once with actually past um, chef uh, uh, fucking uh, Patrick Laguno when he came to visit me in Chicago. We went to the Shout Logan out. Theater and saw it there. Uh, but speak on speak on Zola because I unfortunately will not will not be on this episode. Oh, uh, I had a friend in college who went to Sundance the year that Lemon came out. The year that Lemon was mm-hmm. at Sundance. And he had tickets mm-hmm. to see it because I don't think he knew about Janixa Bravo, but I, he really liked Brett Gelman and stuff and like mm-hmm. Michael Sarah and just the weird fucking weirdness that that trailer was. He thought that looked interesting. So he went to go see it and he came back from Sundance talking about it like this is the most fucked up, disgusting, gross movie I've ever seen. Like, this is so weird. And I'm like, oh, shit, we got to watch this movie then together. We never did. But I ended up watching mm-hmm. it on my own. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Like, I don't know. And it wasn't crazy about Lemon, but I do really like a short film by Janixa Bravo called Man Rots from the Head, starring Michael Sarah. It's like mm-hmm. a mix of Eraserhead and Punch Drunk Love is the only way that I can really, like, describe it. It's this really cool mood piece that's very short and very satisfying. So when I saw that she did Zola, I was like, I should check this out. I probably would not care about this at all if she was not attached to it because I think she's a very interesting not only filmmaker, but just an interesting person in general, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I think this came out when I was on my road trip or in the, in and around that time. So I wasn't able to get to it in theaters. But I watched it on, I popped it on one night just because I was curious. And I just had a ton of fun. It's really playful. The performances are great. It's a romp. And the reason it's not yeah. higher on my list is because it's a romp. There's not really any, like... I don't want to say it's not redeemable, but it's just one of those movies where it's like, yep, I'm having fun watching this, and then it's going to turn off, and I'm going to be like, okay, now what's for dinner? That's fine. But that's the Mm -hmm. reason why it's not higher on my list for me, is it didn't really stay in my mind in that way that some of these other movies have, you know? Yeah. I I, I agree with you on that, Uh, and 
I was really exhilarated by that movie the first time that I watched it, and I kind of felt that it it kind of fumbled the bag at the end a little bit. I don't think that it wraps up as neat as it quite could. Um, but for every like the rest, the ninety five percent of that movie leading up to it, I'm having uh, a hoot and a half just with how um, creative it's being with uh, its editing. Coleman Domingo, Coleman Domingo's performance, I think, is really, really, really menacing and funny. Um, and I think that um, uh, the whole cast is actually just bringing their A game to this. Absolutely. Um, I I am eager to revisit it, um, but like I said, just unfortunately could not find a good spot for it on my on my list there. So what's your number thirteen? Now we got. Oh, I gotta give you my damn Mercedes valuable player, Mason. Don't. Don't. <laughs> Oh, hey, hey, Alma. You forgot to give him a Mercedes Viable Play Home. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus Christ. That's not what he sounds like. Okay, boy, I'm going to give you a Mercedes. That's what season one is. You're doing like Tracy like. Ullman, Homer Simpson voice now. <laughs> yeah. Let's all go Ooh. out for frosty chocolate milkshakes. <laughs> and Bart's like, yeah, let's go out for frosty chocolate milkshakes. And Marge is like, mm, yeah, let's go out for frosty chocolate milkshakes. And Maggie's like, fuck my little fucking butt. She says stuff like that, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, I'm going give to give a co-Mercedes valuable player to Zola. Taylor Page. Never seen Taylor Page before yep. in my life before this, and she's so good. Like, I was just like, yep, I believe that you're Zola. Like, 100%. Like, I was like so bought into that and just the j- overall vision uh the way that everything comes together i'll give it to janixa bravo as well and i'll give a zivon to coleman domingo who just perpetually is good all the time and just don't know why he's not like like a john david washington level like up-and-comer star i know he's older than john david washington but like in that realm of like oh you're seeing this guy in like mate like he just pops up in like every movie he should pop yeah, up in every movie you know he he's shown up on actually on a show in a on a movie movie that we've covered oh. in the past. Really? You know what I'm talking about, right? He's in Passing no. Strange. Oh, yep. You're right. Yes. Yeah, and Coleman Domingo's kind of like uh he's a, a Bader Meinhof kind of actor for me where it's like once I know that that's Coleman Domingo, I'm starting to see him in more stuff like even in the past, but he is definitely an underrated actor and he is always um he's he's one of my favorite actors uh to see him pop up in and stuff so i agree with you 100 percent on your zivon there uh thank you chef Chef. you're welcome um now this is the part of the show where i just know that you and i are gonna have crossover i just know this movie is gonna be on your list like without a doubt so Mm -hmm. i know we did the film spotting thing in the past where it's like we can talk about it now like sort of together if you want to just save this for when it comes up on your list to really give it your breakdown you can mm-hmm. say i know that we're gonna have crossover what do, what do you want to do yeah. you want to do the film spotting just, thing or just want to break it down when we get there let's just break it down when we get there let's give our ranks okay let's go through yep i agree i agree okay uh watch this on october 2nd at the glendale lemley which is one of my favorite theaters in all of los angeles i love mm. that and the noho lemley location so much this is <laughs> Mason. <laughs> this movie is directed Noah, by Noah. Stop hitting the damn bong on Mike. I can't believe I have to. 
remind you after all these years of doing the show that you have to stop hitting the damn bong when we're doing the podcast. And then Lois Griffin comes in and she's like, Oh, Noah, stop hitting the bong on the podcast. <laughs> this movie is directed by, I'm going to mess up the name, I apologize, but I literally looked up a, na- a video about how to pronounce this name. Mm-hmm. Julia DeCornow, is that how we're saying it? Yes, Julia, I think DeCornow, I'm not sure. We all know who I'm talking about. This is Titan. Yeah. Um, I watched this. Titan. Was really stressed out in my life because that was basically like day zero of me deciding that I was going to (laughs) move, you know, within a Mm -hmm. month. And I was like, fuck, I just need to go to the movies (laughs) and decompress a little bit. So, of course, I went to go see Titan at that time. Yeah. and so I was pretty stressed watching it, but also it's just kind of a stressful movie in, you know, all, all, all respects. Yeah. Uh, but this is a truly unique viewing experience. I had heard that it was just kind of crazy, but I was not even prepared for how it was crazy when I went in and watched yeah. it. Maybe in the category of, I am now, I'll probably, I would watch this again in a couple years, you know, but it is yeah. a draining experience. For ways that you just can't really predict and can't really wrap your head around until you're watching it because if you tried to explain it to someone they yeah. would just A, probably not understand or care or B, like just fully be able to process what you're saying because it is so inventive and so insane. And I'm just sort of happy that it exists in the world. Like someone just had mm-hmm. the vision and audacity to just do this thing because it is a ride. No pun intended. Wink, wink. Uh, for anyone who's Seen it, they know. Uh, haha, you know. But I just wasn't like fully blown away in other in ways that I know a lot of people were by this movie. But I did enjoy watching mm-hmm. it, so that's why it didn't end up on the top ten. But I wanted to shout it out regardless. And I got to give it to Julia DeCornow for just the overall vision and execution of this thing. Uh, I have not seen Raw or any other movie that she's made. This is my first movie of hers. Yeah, but she. Tr- I mean, really. You can't not say she has a vision. And she seemingly pulled it off exactly yeah. how she wanted it to. Because there's moments in the movie where I I had my my just my jaw dropped under my mask. I just like couldn't believe yeah. what I was seeing. So number yeah. thirteen is Titan, which I believe won the Palm d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. So if that if my word means nothing to you and the Cannes Film Festivals does, it won the top prize there. So shout out to Titan. Hell yeah. I don't want to get too deep into my thoughts on Titan because you are right. There, w- It will be showing up later on my list. But I really I, – I also had the same feeling as you leaving the theater. Like, that was great. I don't know if I could rewatch it anytime soon. But mostly because I kind of have a sense that um, it's going to inspire a lot of movies. And it's the kind of cult- – some ex- segment of the culture is going to form around Titan. And it's going to be like – Oh, like this is what she was like. She was onto this like years and years and years um, ahead of time. Um, yeah, I th- I think it's gonna really um, it, it will I guess quote unquote make sense in a couple years. Um, but that's all I want to say about that movie for right now. Um, that was yes. your number thirteen. That was my number thirteen. Moving on to number twelve. Watched this movie for the first time on November eighth, twenty twenty one. And then mm. a second time on November mm. 23rd at mm. the Regency Westwood Village. Mm. Uh, there is a huge mythology 
surrounding my ability to have seen this movie when I did because it didn't come out until Christmas Day in wide release. Right. And if you know me, you might be surprised that it's not in the top 10 or even close to the number one slot. But unfortunately, it's got to go at number 12. This is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. This is Licorice Pizza. Snap, 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 snap. Long story short, shout out to Jack Campisi for helping me see this movie early. Um, not going to go into full on detail about how I was able to do that because that would incriminate me in some ways or and him as well, so I'm not going to. Uh, but it was perfectly legal what I did. It was just sneaky. And then I saw it again for a, in a sneaky way with my buddy Christian Hurley. So shout out to Christian Hurley. Uh, PTA is probably my favorite filmmaker of all time. This was easily my most anticipated of the year, knowing that we were going to get a new PTA this year. It was so overwhelming of an experience to have seen this movie before most people in the world had seen this movie uh, that I had to go back and see it again before I could be solid on my thoughts about the movie as a whole because I was so engrossed with just being in that theater, which is just a beautiful theater, just an unbelievable place to see a movie. One of my favorite spots now in L.A., movie theater-wise. But I had some thoughts about it that I wanted to have verified, so I needed to go see it again. And I saw it again, and I was much more focused on the movie itself this time. And a lot of what I thought the first time was actually validated by seeing it a second time. I was pretty much on the money for the most part with what I had thought. And that is, I like but really don't love this movie. I don't mm-hmm. love this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, not a huge hangout movie guy. That's why I wasn't really into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood back in the day. And this movie, in a lot of ways, is like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the sense that we are just mm-hmm. following a bunch of guys around in a particular era, mostly the Cooper Hoffman and Alana Heim characters. Um, and there are moments that I really dug and other moments that I really didn't. But this is not a high, this is not a high tier PTA for me. This is this is a lower mm-hmm. tier PTA for me for basically that reason. It seemed like he was having a lot of fun making this movie, which cool. Uh, but that I don't, I don't know. I want to go somewhere with people, and I just feel like we're kind of going all over the place. So not really my kind of movie in that way. But if you like that kind of thing, this you're gonna give this movie five stars on Letterbox.com. Like no doubt in my mind. Um, Lana Heim gets my Mercedes Valuable Player. Um, she's just so fucking good. And uh, Zevon to Harriet Sansom Harris. Do you remember Harriet Sansom yes. Harris? Yes, uh, I do. And she should be she should win Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars this year for her one scene wonder performance. Absolutely, pizza. It was well, it's one of the best movie moments in the whole movie. Um, it's unbelievable. Uh, if you've seen the movie. <laughs> she plays that agent manager woman that Alana Heim meets with about halfway through the film. And she's like, it's scary how good she is. She, I'm never going to forget that performance. It's so good. And yeah. she should just, she, again, like Coleman Domingo, she should just be in everything. So those are my thoughts on uh, Liquor's Pizza. Like I said, I don't hate this movie by any means. It's my number 12 favorite movie of the year. But just as far as what I like out of PTA and what I really go to the movies for in the first place, doesn't really scratch the same itch that it does for I think a lot of other people for me so that's my number 12 Mason I I have a feeling maybe you'll be talking about that one later so am I good to move on uh we are good to move on here's what I want to say ahead of time uh it is nonsense that they changed the poster for that movie on Letterboxd I don't dislike what's currently on there but I much prefer the just the picture of 
Alana Haim in the white t-shirt with her hands on her hips and Cooper Hoffman off to the side standing kind of sheepishly looking at her against the blue car. Uh, much prefer that poster to the kind of uh, more illustrative one they got on Letterboxd now. Not a bad poster by any means, just a personal preference that I w- won't have time to talk about later. So it's good to move on. <laughs> yeah, somehow, for some reason you won't have time to talk about it later, maybe. Um, and then for number 11... Number 10 and number 11 on my list truly could be interchanged because it's been a Mm -hmm. while since I've seen number 10, but I wanted to give it the actual list spot as opposed to an honorable mention slot. Mm -hmm. But for number 11, watch this on November 10th at my place on Netflix. It's directed by Edgar Wright. It's the better Edgar Wright film that came out this year. This is the Sparks Brothers documentary. Snap, 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 snap. Clap, clap, clap. Uh, Like I said, two Edgar Wright movies came out this year. And I think that far and away, this is the better one. <laughs> like, I don't know. Last night in Soho, I was not super vibing with for the most part. Thought it was fine. Yeah. was my first AMC A-list that I ever did, though. So shout out. It will always have a special place in my heart for that. And shout I think out. a couple... Shout out! I think a couple days later, I came back to my place. and Or I came back to my place that night. But a couple days later, I got and I on Netflix and I said, you know what? Let's watch the Sparks Brothers doc. I'm, you know, I want to see what he did because I had heard great things about that one. Uh, and it's true. It's a great doc. It's really good. Um, I don't know if Sparks is necessarily a band that I would even really like listening to in a lot of regards, just in terms of their music. And I had never heard their music prior to this because I didn't know who they were mm-hmm. <laughs> prior to this. Mm-hmm. But I have so much goddamn respect for them as brothers. They are true artists in every sense of the word. They are not afraid to change. They're not afraid to do what they want to do. They're not afraid to break mold. They're not afraid to do things that maybe would be considered quote-unquote wrong or unconventional, you know, in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things and on a micro level. So I have a massive respect for them. Uh, and this doc is two and a half hours long, basically, and it does not fucking skip a beat of their lives. It follows them from birth to where they are right this second on planet Earth. So you got to check this one out. Uh I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to Edgar Wright uh, for being able to tell a long biographical doc that is not boring. That seems like a very hard task uh, if you've seen enough biography and biopic things. But he is, I think, a very talented filmmaker. I've always really enjoyed him, and although I'm (laughs) hating on British comedy (laughs) a lot of the time on this show, Edgar Wright is one of the big exceptions to that. Uh, I think he's phenomenal. And I will also give a co-Mercedes Bible player to the artistic impulse to take chances, try new things, and fail. Because you have to fail in order to succeed. I believe that. So, that's my honorable mentions, Mason. How did I do? You did great. You did great. Good, Good spread there. Good spread. Good spread. All right. So, I did my list first last time. Why don't you do your list first this time? What's your number 10? Watch this on February 14th, Valentine's Day, in Portland with my dad on HBO Max. Like I said, it's been a minute since I've seen this. And the recency bias for a while wanted me to put Sparks Brothers in this number 10 slot. But I want to give it this the nod because when I really like did like a deep deep dive trying to remember this movie I was like oh yeah watching this I did feel this way about this this is a drama 
Directed by Shaka King. This is Judas and the Black Messiah coming in at number 10. Let's get some snaps, snaps, snaps for that. Um, We were all starving for new stuff back in these days. These were the pre-vax days, the salad days, as they say. Just kidding. Mm -hmm. The opposite of the salad days. It was like the rotting lettuce days, if anything. Um, (laughs) I was very interested to see... uh, this because I had heard things about it and I knew some things about the historical context surrounding this movie and other things I didn't know. I wasn't super familiar with the Black Panther movement, although I did watch a documentary in 2020 that was called The Black Power Mixtape, which is a great, great documentary. Oh, sure. Um, Yeah. And they talk about the Black Panthers quite a bit in that documentary, so I had a little bit more knowledge about them because of that documentary, which I would give a full recommend to. Um Go check that one out. I think it was on Prime at one point. Um, But I watched this with my dad. We were both interested in seeing it. Love the actors. Love the fact that the Lucas brothers helped write the script for this, who are not traditionally dramatists. They are comedians more than anything. So I was curious. I was curious and I was interested. And I remember at the end of that movie being like, yeah, that was really good. And I don't really have a ton to say about it otherwise because, like I said, it's been a minute since I've seen it. And I know that some people were talking about how they didn't like sort of the framing device of the film. The fact that it's sure. like told through the Lakeith Stanfield character as sort of like a sting type thing to sort of get Fred Hampton. But I loved mm-hmm. that. I thought that was a great framing yeah. device because that makes every move that Lakeith Stanfield's character has to make, it gives it so much more weight and dramatic energy because he gets closer to this guy and ultimately knows like, I am not this person's friend. I'm not this person's ally at the end of the day. I'm doing this yeah. to save my own bacon. So I thought that was a great choice in terms of a dramatic thing, you know, more or less. Yeah. Um, I got to give my Mercedes Valuable Player, though, to Daniel Kaluuya. I mean, that performance was so outstanding and just another yeah. example of, like, damn, this guy is one of our... This guy is so fucking good. Like, he's one of the best working actors in Hollywood. So give my Mercedes Valuable Player to him. And I'll give a Zuvon to the Lucas brothers, Kenneth Lucas and Keith Lucas. One of my first college memories is in orientation, this guy coming up to me and being like, do you know who the Lucas brothers are? And me being like, no. And then showing me the Lucas brothers like on his phone, like during college orientation. Oh, really? And being like, I don't know if this is funny. And then I remember he had a identical, well, not an identical, but he had a twin brother, a fraternal twin brother. And mm. I watched them interact with each other, and I was like, holy shit, they are like the Lucas Brothers. That's why he likes the Lucas Brothers so much, Yeah, is because they just sort of talk to each other in that same, like, droll, very, like, deadpan way, but they're, like, bickering with each other, and I'm like, oh, that's why you fucking like these guys so much. Um, yeah. But they're talented dudes. Clearly, they do fucking comedy. They had an animated show on Adult Swim, and they helped write the script for Judas and the Black Messiah, which is my number 10 favorite movie of 2021, so... Zivon for those guys, but that's it. That's my number 10. Hell yeah. I really love that movie too. I think I watched it around the same time as you did on, um, on HBO max in, in my old apartments there. Um, really just, uh, a kind of a tremendous and kind of like really risky, just big studio movie. Like I almost watching it. I almost couldn't believe how, um, like 
like that, that that got through a studio system like it got through Warner Brothers basically um and I agree with you I think that the the framing device of that film is kind of what gives it its sort of its tragedy and it's like dramatic um uh, uh uh power and dramatic um energy almost um it's kind of a perfect script I think um does not make my list at all but really worth checking out if you haven't yet um and honest and uh yeah good choice that's all I'll say good choice thank you it's number 10 thank you my number 10 I watched on October 24th of this year uh it was the only movie that I went to uh saw in theaters at the Chicago Film Festival I saw it with chef Ryan Kenny uh, and this is a movie that I was going back and forth, keeping it on my 10, moving it around, maybe putting it in a tie position with a film in my um, honorable mentions. But I give it a slot. I give it a slot because it stuck with me for the last couple of months here. Uh, and that is Hong Sang Soo's In Front of Your Face. Uh, like, you know, Hong Sang Soo's movies, it's very um, patient. It has its own um, rhythm. It has its own sort of... Uh, it, it's it doesn't break the Hong Sang Soo form too too um, terribly. There's a, some small modifications in it, um, but here's what I wrote about it. Uh, many of Hong Sang Soo's protagonists harbor secrets and private pain, and his films are about the conversations those characters take to reveal the pain to themselves and to others. In front of your face is no exception, even though it takes a small modification. The movie is about Sang-ok, played by Lee Hyung, a South Korean actress who lived in the states and recently returned to South Korea. When her meeting with a film director gets postponed, she spends a day visiting with her sister and exploring places she used to live. The audience is attuned to her behavior and internal life through uh, short voiceover monologues, which allow us to feel her secrets before she expresses it out loud during the climactic meeting. Um, and even though this character does have kind of a serious secret that she's carrying around, it's not really a downer film. Leaving the theater, uh, I felt elated walking into this rainy Chicago night, October night here. And even if I was taking a long trip home in the kind of shitty external circumstances, I kept the film's patient, accepting rhythm and soul close to my heart. Um, I really think a lot about and remember um, Lee Ha Young's laugh in this movie, her kind of just... It, it she lets it out in these in these small moments um and it just kind of reminds you to um take things uh take your life with a little uh with grace and uh with compassion to events that may be outside of your control and to just laugh when it feels appropriate uh and that makes her my mission's valuable player uh Lee Ha Young maybe that's cheating a little bit because it's not quite in wide release yet i don't know when it will be um, but I thought this film was 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 really beautiful. Um, not kind of a mind puzzly film like some of other uh, Hong Sang Soo's movies are, but he has a much more like kind of slower, um, steadier rhythm uh, recently. And of course, it has a spot on my top ten. So look for that if you like Hong Sang Soo, and maybe even if you don't, you might like this one. Yeah, that's your boy say. right there, though. That's your guy. You love, love that him, fucker. I love that guy. That might have. I also might have seen that movie on his birthday or the day before. Um, so I was just like really, really in the spirit of the guy that day. I would like to watch more of his films. I would actually like to watch rewatch right now. Wrong then, if you can believe it. Um, I think I think maybe the mythology around that episode that we did, where you got to pick both, has sort of surpassed the facts of that episode a little bit. Where mm-hmm. I don't like dislike the guy by any means. I've actually enjoy quite enjoyed the other the only other movie I've seen of his, which is The Day He Arrives. Like, I liked that yeah. movie. I thought that was a good movie. Yeah. So I'd like to kind of get back in there, get back in the weeds with Hong Sang-soo well, a little bit. 
here's what I'll say. If you have a Los Angeles Public Library library card, not only do you have access to Canopy, which has a decent amount of his films streaming, but you can also get his movies on DVD. They have quite a few of his movies on physical copy DVD, which is how I watched a bulk of his movies um, when I was living in Los Angeles. And I generally think that the more of his movies that you watch, the more into his kind of rhythm and and just kind of worldview you get into, the more comfortable you are. Like with any filmmaker with his, of his sort of, uh, uh, sort of, any filmmaker, I'll just say, any filmmaker, any artist, any musician, any whatever you want to call him. Um, and it just is such a treat to get a movie or two from him every single year um, and to see what he's... Um, uh, uh, interested in in exploring in his very specific sort of filmmaking style, but um, he is my boy. I love him. Probably my favorite working filmmaker. Um, so Noah, what's your number nine? Watch this on Fourth of July, Mason. Watch this movie on Sick. July Fourth at the Capri Theater. Mason, have you ever heard of the Capri Theater? I don't know what that is. Tell me about it. I would have been shocked if you had said you did because I watched this movie at the Capri Theater, which is located in Montgomery, Alabama, of all places. What? Let's get let's get the jingle going for that motherfucker. <laughs> I was in fucking Montgomery, Alabama watching this movie, Mason. Uh, Whoa. The, this was during my road trip. It was 4th of July. Wasn't a ton going on in Montgomery. Montgomery kind of fucking sucks. No offense. <laughs> but it kind of sucks a little bit. A lot of history there, obviously, but as a town, would not, I'm not moving there anytime soon. And mm-hmm. I asked, well, the only person that I know from Montgomery, my buddy James, I said, James, what should I do when I'm in Montgomery? And he gave me some recommendations. Went to go see where the town of Spectre was from Big Fish, which is on Jackson mm. Island, just sort of outside of Montgomery. And at one point he mentioned you should go, if they're playing, if they're open, you should go to the Capri Theater. It's a great little movie house in the really nice little neighborhood of, of, of Montgomery. I said, okay, I'll keep that in mind. I'm not really trying to go see movies when I'm on this road trip, but it was 4th of mm-hmm. July. Wasn't a ton going on. So I was like, fuck it. Let's go see what's going on there. And this was the only movie playing because it's a one auditorium movie house. And Oh, hell yeah. I was like, let's go see it. I've, this, I was interested in this. This is a documentary. It was directed by, let me make sure I don't mess up his name, Amir Khalib Thompson. Do you know Amir Khalib Thompson? Is that Questlove? That is Questlove, baby, because this movie is Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Let's Woo-hoo. go. Um, this The reason why this movie works as well as it does and isn't just like a VH1 retrospective or like an MTV retrospective type of thing, Mm -hmm. is because of the amount of footage that they had access to and the way in which that they frame this event. This event and just the overall conceit of the Harlem Cultural Festival... It's crazy that they hadn't made a movie about this yet. Like, it's just like it was begging to be had at like a dock or something or, you know, like a like a raising Woodstock or taking Woodstock type movie about it. You know, uh, it, I just was shocked that it didn't happen until now. Um, and it's just so much fun. If you like music in any way, if you like the 60s in any way, this is a great little movie. You get a bunch of mini 
arcs and mini stories about all these acts that went up, what their life was like before the festival, what the sort of trials and tribulations either in the world or artistically were before the festival, and then how things changed after the festival. And it does get a little repetitive in that way, but it's Mm -hmm. so much fun to watch these people perform with truly beautiful restored footage. I don't have the name of the people who, like, restored this footage, but that is truly actually the Mercedes Viable player of this movie. It's not the one I have written down, but that's actually the real one. Um, But, yeah, uh, this is just a great time. I think it's streaming on Hulu right now, so watch this. I did, you know, it's not a ton to say about it other than this is a ton of fun movie. I had to take a shit during the Gladys Knight section, so I missed about five minutes of the movie. Uh, but it's great. And Questlove does a great job creating a wonderful narrative around the festival and then making you interested in each of the acts in their own separate way, although it is a little repetitive at times. So, yeah, that's my number nine. And my Mercedes Valuable Player is just the Harlem Cultural Festival itself, just sort of as a yeah. concept and sort of as an idea, how hard it was to get it to happen. Kind of a miracle that it did happen in the first place, but you would understand that more so if you watch the doc. But that's my number nine, Summer of Soul. Hell yeah. Uh, there's that moment where Mahalia Jackson singing, I think, Take My Hand, Precious Lord, where I just kind of felt myself leave the theater. Um, just, did you see this in theaters too? On her. Huh? I did see this did in see- theaters, yeah. Hell yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, really, really tremendous documentary. I uh, really, really tremendous footage in this. Uh, I am kind of in the camp where I could have done with maybe just a degree less of the Talking Heads footage and just been there to hang out with the the, the actual sure. live like kind of footage that they've caught. But that's a, such a small um, criticism of the movie. Uh, really remarkable how Questlove got and assembled this this footage here. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm so grateful that I saw it on the big screen so I can just be like swallowed by, by that movie. Um, you see it at the music box? No, it was at the landmark, the landmark century center. Let's go. Let's go. Landmark century center. Okay. But my number nine, I did see at the music box. Oh, okay. And that is film I watched on December 9th of 2021. Fairly recent here. Uh, that is Jane Campion's Power of the Dog. The Power of the Dog. Uh, you can also watch on Netflix. Uh, I wanted to catch it in theaters before um, it left so that I could uh, watch it, you know, properly. Uh, this is actually the first Jane Campion movie that I've ever seen. My only other Jane Campion exposure is with the, uh, I think it was Showtime series, Top of the Lake. I watched um, the whole first season of that in maybe 2014, because uh, it had Elizabeth Moss. I'm a big Elizabeth Moss head. Um, but I really like this film's um, formal approach to storytelling and how it never makes the text text until it's absolutely necessary. Um, so uh, by that token, this is such a good actor's performance, um, or actor's piece, rather. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is like a, a alternately like terrifying and pathetic as Phil this like kind of uh monster um stomping around this uh this ranch in um 1920s Montana um Jesse Plemons is great and very sympathetic as his beleaguered brother George and it's so nice when he and real life wife um Kristen Dunst meet each other are they uh, married in real mid- life yeah they are you didn't know that 
No, let's go. They're married in real That's life. Cute. They have two children together. Uh, beautiful couple. Love them. Um, Cody Smith-Fee is also um, very uh, 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 secretive and, and with this quiet degree of menace. Um, but really what I love most about this film was watching it unfold in front of me. And I loved retracing um, the narrative steps on the bus ride home thinking about every small detail, interaction, line of dialogue that led to the film's shocking yet inevitable conclusion, a great dusty tale about repression, masculinity, and the encroachment of the future. Uh, My MVP for this movie, though, is someone that is not actually in the movie, but it's the character of Bronco Henry, who kind of exists in this movie as this this ghost around the character of, of Phil, of Benedict Cumberbatch's character. Um... Just have you seen Power of the Dog yet? No, um, no. But one day, it just I've one day never been in the mood for it. When it's like I'm gonna watch something, I don't really want to watch a western that is like I don't know subtextual. Like it just was. I was just never like I gotta throw this one on. You don't want to. You don't want to ha- watch a thinking picture. You don't want to watch a thinking man's picture. I didn't say that. I just said I didn't want to watch fucking Power of the Dog. <laughs> so why don't you not put fucking words in my mouth, fucking asshole? Okay, good going though. <laughs> uh, but my Mercedes valuable player. This this ghost. Uh, this sort of idealized masculine figure that kind of exists in the movie. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very 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 good. Uh, the power that this has uh, in Montana, we uh, must rule by dog power. That's all I gotta say about it. More like power of my hog. There we go. That's cool. You gotta add a. You gotta add the bad to the bone guitar riff to your drop library there. <laughs> Well, let me see if I can find that. All right, I'll, I'll look for that while you're talking next, but I gotta talk now. Okay. Yeah. It's while your you're turn. talking, I'll while you're talking, I'll do something else. Um. All right. Number eight. Watch this on September fourth, once again at the Glendale Emily. Watch this with chefs Ben Massey and Dustin T. Had a little. Had a, I, it was the first time I had seen Ben in in person because I had only moved back to LA like a week prior to that. That was the first time I had seen Ben in, like, almost two years. So that was really cool to be able to see him in person again. I mean, I had seen Dustin, I think, like, a, a couple days before because whatever. I just saw him before. So I wasn't the first time seeing him. But I saw those boys. We went to the Glendale Lemley. I was the one who actually suggested we go see this movie in the first place because it looked really interesting, and I didn't really see a lot of people talking about it. It's a mm-hmm. drama, but not a, like, brutal drama like Power of the Dog might be. This is actually more of a lighthearted drama. Uh, mm-hmm. Directed by Sean Hader, I believe this movie is currently streaming on Apple TV Plus, which is a I know a streaming platform a lot of people just don't have. But if you do have it and you haven't seen it, honestly, I'd even recommend just getting it and watching this movie. This is, would be a great little family watch for the fucking time when you're together as a family. This is Coda, Mason. Mm. You heard about Didn't this one, watch Coda? Uh, I don't think so. Coda. Is this great little movie? Uh, Coda, first of all, it's got a great little title because the movie is about a girl who like loves music, and Coda is child of deaf adults as well, which is an acronym for that. Ah, so it's a fun little play on words there. Uh, it follows Ruby, who is the only hearing person in a family of deaf 
people. Both her parents and her brother are deaf. And so she has a lot of responsibility in the family because they are fisher people. They go out on boats and they collect fish for a living. So she has to be out there and sort of act as their ears, quite literally, on the boat as part of this sort of family unit and run this family business. But she loves singing. And she's kind of shy about it and kind of quiet about it and has sort of this tumultuous relationship with the fact that her parents and brother are deaf and she's hearing or whatever. And she ends up exposing that she loves music and singing uh, to her choir teacher at the time. And the choir teacher pushes her to apply to a Berklee College of Music stand-in. Or maybe it even is Berklee College of Music. I can't remember specifically. But some really prestigious music school because she thinks she's got it. It's sort of the tearing between doing what you think you're supposed to do and following your dreams and not really knowing exactly how that all fits in as a young person and being torn between two worlds. It's a really beautiful story. Really beautiful story. And uh, I was really happy I got to catch it in theaters. As I feel like a lot of the time these movies get dropped on streaming and they either aren't available yeah. in certain places in the world, you know, to watch or maybe even just in like the major, yeah. major markets. They're only in theaters for like a week or two. So you got to catch them. You got to be, you got to be, you know, jump on it when they're in theaters. And I was really glad I was able to see this one in theaters because I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much just on streaming. But it was a great little movie to watch in theaters. Thought it was great. It's just a really touching story. Uh, got to give a co-Mercedes Valuable Player to Amelia Jones, who plays Ruby, who's the protagonist of the film, and Troy Kotzer, who plays her dad, Frank, um, who I believe is a deaf person and is just an unbelievable actor. Both of them are in this movie. The scenes between them in particular are excellent. And I'm going to give a Zevon to the director, Sean Hader, uh, who I guess has done other stuff. I'm not really familiar with her work, though. In on the whole, <coughs> but she's excellent, and I can't wait to keep watching movies that she makes. Um, and yeah, great movie. You gotta see this movie, Mason. You gotta see this movie. You gotta see this movie. You gotta see this movie. Six uh, bags cool. of popcorn, even though the scale goes only up to five. I'm giving it six bags of popcorn. Okay. All right. Hell yeah. That's it. That's what I got. Uh, gotcha. I'll. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna put that on my. list. You don't care. I'm gonna put that keep on going. my list. I'm Whatever. You don't give list. a shit. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Number eight. Uh, saw this film at the Logan Theater on August 10th, 2021. It's David Lowry's The Green Knight. Uh, only saw it but the once, but so many of those film, that movies, um, images and moments stuck with me throughout this year. So when I get another chance to, I'm keen to revisit it. Um, Bah, 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 bah. Uh, it's not just a visual feast, though, I don't think. Uh, David Lowry adapts one of the oldest legends of all time and excavates the meaning of courage and valor. I was gripped from moment one and was not loosened from the film's grip and vision until long after the movie ended. Uh, really, I think, striking um, movie, a fun kind of twist on the hero's journey there. Uh, Dev Patel gives a really uh, tremendous and assured performance, uh, and he's a little uh, hottie pants uh, and uh, hottie pants. Damn. He's a little hottie <laughs> pants. Yeah, he's got long. Damn, he's a hottie pants. There's this is a hot movie. There's some hotties in this movie. Uh, my MVP, my Mercedes Valuable Player for this one, uh, is a co Mercedes Valuable Player to uh, director of photography Andrew Draws Palermo and the production designer Jade Healy. Um, didn't realize that Andrew Draws Palermo was actually the director of one of my favorite documentaries from last decade, which was uh, Rich Hill. Have you ever seen Rich Hill? Oh my God, that name sounds so familiar, but I I couldn't. It's about tell you kids anything. in Missouri. No, I've never seen it, but that name oh, sounds man. familiar. 
Yeah, you would really fuck with that, so you should put that on your list. Um, again, I think that this is just a, a, a tremendous just bit of crafts work here, um, and I really, really, really admired it and enjoyed it, and it sits, uh, it sits good in my in my gut. Thinking back on it, so green knight. There we go. Found it. Found it. <laughs> Found it. Mason. What's it called? Rich Hill? Rich Hill, yeah. Mason, I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm going to expose myself here. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. When I between when I went back to Portland and moving to LA when I sort of, you know, ended my road trip. Uh-huh. I actually got tickets to go see the Green Knight at the Regal mm. near my dad's place. Mm. And I was watching it for about 15, 20 minutes and just realized, I don't give a shit about this at all. Why did I even bother going to see this? And so I That's just made shame. up some excuse and was like, hey, there's some there's a bat in the theater or something like that. You know, like I said some bullshit. And they're like, okay, and they gave me my money back. And I was just like, I just don't, I just don't care about that world. Maybe one day I'll watch it, but... Not crazy about David Lowry either, just like in terms of most of the movies that I've seen of his. Sure. So, I don't know. Whatever. That's also the only David Lowry movie that I've seen. Uh, that's it. <laughs> All right, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Um, okay. <laughs> seven? Am I doing seven now? Seven, yeah. The What's seven. in the box? What's in the box? We didn't get a video from him this year. We didn't. Fuck. Oh no, we didn't. We, we oh oh We got no. a video from the queen. <laughs> our table, it's broken. Oh no, our table is broken. Funny, very funny. Uh, Mason, I almost called you Mitchell. That's not your name. Mason, I watched this movie on December second yes. at the Arrow in Santa Monica. Great place to mm-hmm. see a movie. This is a drama. And you're actually going to have to help me with how you pronounce this first name because you've actually said it. Already. Is it Ryusuke? I say Ryusuke. I'm not sure. I'll say Ryusuke as well. I'll say Ryusuke as well. Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Let's drive my car. Snap, 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 snap. Uh, They were actually doing a free screening of this at the Arrow. Uh, Oh, yeah. I actually saw this movie for free with Chef Dustin at the Arrow. Uh, I was... More or less unfamiliar with him. I just knew that this movie did well in the festival circuit internationally. I knew you were a fan of Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. And just kind of based on what I saw in his filmography and in his works, two filmmakers sort of came to mind as I was watching it and then before. And they're two filmmakers who I really like. Hirokazu Koreeda and Edward Yang. And those are two filmmakers I really, really like. So I was like, yeah, I'm excited to see this. I didn't really have any expectation for what it would be, but I was very excited to see this. And so I went with Dustin. I was tired. And Dustin actually had just gotten back from a hiking trip on Catalina Island with two of his friends. So he was really tired, too. The Catalina hiking mixer. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Okay. You gotta be kidding me, my man. (laughs) It's a Catalina hiking mixer, motherfucker. <laughs> that was awesome, dude. 
Um, we were both tired. And this is a movie that is kind of a weird one to watch tired because it's so transfixing. It's so hypnotic. Mm-hmm. The movie is just the, the, the clock, the pocket watch going back and forth. You can't really take your eyes off it, but you're just sort of letting it bathe over you for what it is. Yeah. And I love that feeling when you're watching a movie. It's such a hard thing to do well, I should say, to do well. Um, and I just had a great time watching it. I almost didn't even really know what to think at the end of it other than like, I think I loved that, but it was it was such a powerful, it's like a powerful movie in terms of its like spell that it casts over you while you're watching it. Yeah. And it's three yeah. hours long. And in my in my recollection, it didn't feel like three hours long. Had you asked me when I just got out of the theater, maybe I would have said something different. But in my recollection, it doesn't feel like three hours. Maybe like two at most, but yeah, it's interesting. It's slow, but it didn't feel slow, at least in my recollection. This is a really just a beautiful little story. And I don't really want to talk about it too, too much plot-wise. I think you'll probably talk about it later. I have a feeling. You don't have to say. Uh, but you might be talking about it. Uh, later, and I, it's just one of those movies that like slowly unfolds in front of you. It like has this bread come bread come bread come. It has a bread come trail that you follow, um, and you just like kind of keep actively keeps you engaged. It doesn't really give you too yeah. too much until it wants to, and then it kind of fully blossoms in front of you, and you're like, oh damn, that's why we did all that shit. That's why we went on this w- long and winding road to coin a Paul McCartney Beatles term there. Um, and so I'll give my Mercedes Valuable Player for this. I couldn't really decide what to give the Mercedes Valuable Player for this movie, but in mm. order to combine performance and writing together in some way, I will give it to the relationship between Yasuke and Misake, the yeah. two leads of the film, more or less. That relationship is phenomenal to watch unfold. Um, if you're a fan of Edward Yang, if you're a fan of Hirokazu Koreeda, Ozu, you will like this yeah. movie. Just no doubt in my mind. It's great. Even even uh, my guy, Hong Sang-soo, Hamaguchi is on record as being a huge Hong Sang-soo head. Damn. Um Let's go. But yeah, this that movie was... I Not to spoil too much, I will be talking oh. about that movie later, uh, but that movie was just, just beautiful, and I just... It took me a um, kind of a long couple of... Uh, I, I I'll say this about my experience watching the movie. Um, I agree with you. You're, when you're sitting in it, I kind of do think that you you are hypnotized, you are transfixed, and you are also aware that I am watching a three hour long movie. Sure. But yeah. similar to you, yeah. But similar to you, the the weird like kind of I guess magic that it has is like once that movie's over, and even now being it like a couple weeks since I've seen it, I'm like, damn, I can't wait to watch that that thing again and just have that 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 movie just work its 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 hypnosis on me um i took a long bus uh, a long train ride from the downtown at the siskel center because i was going to try to go up north and see another movie and that didn't end up working out then i took a long bus ride to another train station a long train station home until i got back um well after i i could have been um but in any case i was just remembered just just being in that that feeling that that movie gives you it, it was unlike anything uh, that I'd experienced at the movies this year. But 
I'll talk about that later. Um, Allegedly, we'll probably right. be talking about it later. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Yeah. Number seven. Number seven, right? We're on seven? Yes. Gotcha. Number seven is a film that Noah brought up earlier. This is Julia Ducournau's Titan. Saw this movie on October 10th at the Music Box Theater. And similar to you, actually, I saw this movie on a very stressful day (laughs) where I just felt the weight of a couple things going on in my life just on my shoulders. And I'm like, I hear this movie's kind of a head trip. I hear this movie's kind of uh, uh, gross and and fucked up. And maybe this is just what I got to do to pass the two stressful hours at the very least i will have been two out two hours will have passed by the time that i sit in this i'm watching this movie and what i'm glad was kind of kept secret from from me and from the kind of discussion about this movie was like yes it was gross yes it was like shocking but it was also very like surprisingly it, it it plays with your like compassion in a way that I think is very exciting and kind of unlike any other, uh, almost unlike any other movie that that came out this year. Um, uh, oh, I didn't finish my thoughts on this one. Um, but there, I I like I like the kind of like the tender heart that was in the middle of this movie, um, where you're watching um, uh, uh, the lead character Agatha uh, or Alexia rather, uh, played by Agatha Roussel. Um, and just this, this person who is in this like frightened kind of animal state of mind and makes these maybe, uh, if, if from a judgmental place, just like kind of wrong decisions to run away from. Um, but then she meets this, she's in this insane, like kind of, uh, the imposter scenario where, uh, a man, a firefighter who's been, son's been missing kind of adopts her, um, I almost also don't have real words to say about this movie just because it's one of those things that I think you have to experience it. And also, I don't know if the language to fully unpack what happens in this exists quite yet. Yeah. Um, it's one of the, you know, it's one of the the few just like a wholly unique experience uh, and a wholly unique just like kind of movie that I had this year. Um, but I also think it, it shot beautifully. Um, it's uh, it, it's kind of so transfixing and and transgressive uh, my mercedes valuable player though is gonna go to um vincent lindon as vincent sure. um yeah. i think that it's a uh you know as much as it i, I think this is, is a kind of a two-hander kind of movie Absolutely. here as much as you know uh even though he's kind of getting slotted as a supporting actor um and i don't want to say that he necessarily has the more difficult role um to play of the two but his version of just this like um angry animalistic um and frightened masculinity i thought was incredibly um uh vulnerable and one of the most vulnerable performances uh, i saw in a movie this year so that's my that's my number seven julia ducournau's Titan. we went from my number seven which is drive drive my car to number your number six (laughs) or number seven which is ride my my car car. (laughs) there we go (laughs) <laughs> all right, hold up. Hold up. Let's do it. All right. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on. Now. Come on. Yes. Drive my car to ride my car. <laughs> You're listening to Man Cow in the Shit. I'm here with Squirt. What's up, Squirt? How you doing? Hey, hey. Come on, dude. You got to fucking... You got to fucking. Oh, uh, oh, I, I, I'm, oh, you know, just got the wisdom tooth coming in. Uh, just, <laughs> just, got a, of... just got a wisdom <laughs> tooth coming in. You're done. You're done.
You're off. You're fired. You're fired. <sighs> Number six. Number six. We're moving on. We're about to crack the top Number five. Six. Here we go, though. Number six. We're so close. Mm-hmm. Watch this on December 3rd at home on Netflix. Woo. Woo. Go Netflix. <laughs> I'm picking a streaming service to love, and I'm picking Netflix. <laughs> I'm picking Netflix as my favorite. I like the most uh, popular HBO thing. HBO Max is literally right there, dude. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were a fucking idiot. HBO Max is far superior. I actually do think that, though. <laughs> That's the thing, is that I, it's yeah. it, UX-wise, it kind of shits the bed all the time. But it's got a much better library. And that's really all you care about yeah. in a streaming service, is their library. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you have to enter, like, DOS Microsoft commands from, like, 1987. If the library is fucking there, that's my fave. But mm. it was on Netflix regardless. It was not on HBO Max. This movie was on Netflix. This is a musical drama. And it was directed by a man who gets, in my opinion, a little too much hate. Some of it warranted. Some of it I don't think is warranted. Directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. This is Tick, Tick, Boom, Mason. Very cool. Very cool. I know it's sort of a pop, more popular film out right now. A little more of a populist pick. But I'm not picking it just to... Just to appease anyone, because I genuinely really liked this movie. Uh, I think this this is a if you're do if you are striving for anything in life, if you have any ambition or goals or whatever, I don't know how you're not like moved by this movie in some way. You know, like mm-hmm. the actual story of Jonathan Larson's is one that is very like beautiful, both in a sort of tragic way, but also in a hopeful way. You know, it's both at the same time. And I think that's a really yeah. rare thing to do. Uh, this is a movie about Jonathan Larson, the man who wrote and conceived of Rent, the musical. I actually texted Chef Ryan Kenny when I saw that this movie was coming out. And I was like, what's the lowdown on Tick, Tick, Boom? Help me out here, man. You're the music, you're the music man in my life, yeah. quite literally. Like, tell me what's going on. And I thought maybe he was going to poo-poo it a little bit. But he was like, no, I'm kind of interested to see how this kind of kind of goes it's the only other musical that the guy who did rent did andrew garfield is in it and you know he's really popular <laughs> and he was like yeah i'm gonna check this one out and i said cool me too i was interested in it because i didn't really know what the fuck it was mm-hmm. and like i said lin-manuel yeah he's annoying on twitter great great a lot of people are annoying on twitter most people are annoying on twitter that's kind of what it's for uh he is a super talented dude i think yeah and I think and think and I think if you go against that at a certain level, you are like trying to be a contrarian at a certain level. You know what I mean? Uh, he's just a super talented guy. Did I think that this was the most well directed movie I've seen this year? Absolutely not. There's a couple moments that are extremely rough, uh, specifically when a lot of CGI gets thrown in the mix. There's one sequence mm-hmm. in particular at a diner that is particularly rough CGI wise. Um, yeah. But this is just a classic good story. This is just a classic good story told in a very effective way. And that's why, it, for a while, it was sitting in my top five because I was emotionally moved by it because of sort of the content surrounding it. Um, but it just missed the top five for movies that I think deserve those slots a little bit more. But this is a really good movie. Like, I really enjoyed watching it, and I was moved by it. And that, at the end of the day, sometimes that's all it is. You're just, you're moved by it, emotionally. And I was. Mm-hmm. So I got to give my Mercedes Viola player to Mr. Andrew Garfield uh, on this one. Yeah. Uh, it was a great performance. And then the real guy, Jonathan Larson. 
I'll throw him. A, I'll throw him as Yvon because now people kind of know who he is in a more true way uh, as opposed to before. When it's like, oh, this is the guy who did rent. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. there's a whole guy who existed before this. So number six, tick, tick, boom. Sorry if that's cringe, but I don't think it is. So that's what I don't think so either. No, I was really surprised by how moved I was by that. And that's the only movie that I watched on Netflix this year. I don't typically log on to Netflix because uh, I think I mentioned. <laughs> the fuck? Oh, actually, what are you talking about? That's crazy. <laughs> but I, I don't want to log on to Netflix. I don't want to log into Netflix. Um, but I put this on because I had I had heard that um, it was Garfield was tremendous and, and Lin-Manuel Miranda did a good job of of making this movie here and can't I can't I can't disagree with you I was moved by this movie um more so than I thought I was going to be and I like a musical I I really do this is a good year for musicals you know it's um am I eager to revisit it as much as I am West Side Story or in that uh, maybe not as much but I still think it's worth um highlighting and I'm glad you found a spot for it um just outside your top five and you know what I respect you for that. I'm going to give you a little, I'm going to give you a Mason M's respect scissors on that one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the Mason M. I think I'm the only person in the history of the world who's gotten the Mason M respect scissors. So, so far. Ever. Because, so Mason, I have some news. <laughs> I have some news for you. We're, we're retiring the Respect Scissors Award right now. <laughs> no one else is allowed to have the Respect Scissors. And I'm getting a, I'm getting a special jersey alongside another jersey that just has scissors on it. No last name, but it's a jersey that just has scissors on it. And then there's one that just says Noe on it. And they're going up next to each other in the It's on the List Rafter Hall of Fame. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks. Uh, okay. What's your number six, bitch? Bitch. Can I get a biggest climb on this one for me, please? Oh, sorry. I wasn't talking into the mic when I said <laughs> Yes, you can, Mason. Biggest climb. All right. This is a movie that was not in my top ten uh, at all. It was hanging out. It was definitely on my list. It was in my honorable mentions. I was doing a lot of moving around with it. But the more that I wrote about it and the more that I remembered um, how much I enjoyed watching this movie, uh, I the more spaces it moved up, but like Tick, Tick, Boom just missed a spot in my top five here. Uh, this might be the one choice that I have here that pisses off Noe M the most, Uh-oh. but I got to do it. This movie, I loved this movie. Um, I thought it was so funny. I thought it was fast. I thought it was loose, and it made me think about my own relationship to art and just like kind of how difficult it is to um, express sometimes when something really just um, uh, has a power over you and makes life seem uh, uh, more real than real in a way. And that is Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Uh, A very polarizing film, as all of Wes's recent works are. I think I'm generally more uh, generous and excited to see his movies than some other folks might be. Uh, and I kind of actually like the more um, detailed and kind of um, controlled his his um, environments are because it's making his like sort of central tension about like finding beauty and expressing beauty and, and connection and personality and very restrictive environments, making it more making that sort of tension more apparent here. Uh, but for the French Dispatch, here's what I had to write about it. 
The French Dispatch is actually probably my favorite Wes Anderson since Fantastic Mr. Fox. I could have spent four more hours exploring the many nooks and crannies of Ennui Sur Blase and hearing about its citizens. Within that world are some, also some of my favorite performances in recent Wes Anderson movies, particularly Tilda Swinton, who made me laugh every single second she was on screen as J.K.L. Berenson, Benicio, Benicio Del Toro as Moses Rosenthaler, Jeffrey Wright as Roebuck Wright, and Stephen Park as Nescafier. I wasn't super huge on the Timothy Chalamet sort of section of that movie, but as it's part of the French Dispatch, I uh, it's you know I like that movie, like that performance, kind of I think in retrospect. In any case, having seen Rushmore the night before French Dispatch, I was especially tuned into the stagecraft elements of the movie's production. Maybe the most of a West film since Moonrise Kingdom. It felt the loosest, breeziest, and densest environment he's created yet. He managed to replicate the feeling of experiencing great art, how he fills your world with new colors, smells, sounds, ideas, experiences into his own work of great art. Um, and with that being said, my MVP is actually the stagecraft elements, how he um, kind of brings in a lot of creativity and play uh, into showing sort of the um, – uh, uh, into into these movies into this movie here um so like sets opening up and apart um any time that the uh, actors like froze and there was like that kind of pan across and they were moving just slightly i thought was so so fun um and one of my f- uh, favorite and um shots of the movie and also of the year which was when tony Ro- revelori as young moses rosenthaler um stands up benicio del toro taps his back and they sort of change places um, in the prison in the first um, vignette there. Um, that's all I got to say about it. I, I really loved and was moved by this movie, and uh, I hope people give it another shot, uh, even with all of Wes's, Wes's quirks. Fuck! Fuck, 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 fuck! I know people love the new Wes. And you know what I have to say to that? I miss the old Wes-A. <laughs> That's what I have to say to that. The always mad Wes-A. That's what I have to say. Not a huge fan of the new Wes, Wes Anderson type shit, to be honest with you. I saw this through A-List at the AMC Sunset 5. Mason? Great, great theater. theater. Maybe my favorite AMC theater. Just straight up, to be honest. Probably the best, honestly. Like it, it probably is really the best AMC in the country. The the IMAX at CityWalk is fucking unreal. But just in terms of just an overall theater, yeah, the AMC yeah. Sunset Five fucking rocks. It is the best. Yeah, because you know where you don't there. have to go to to go to that AMC theater. Yeah, Universal fucking City CityWalk. Walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that place fucking that place gets a that AMC CityWalk. Fuck! 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 That is such a good sound. I love that so much. Uh, I mean, I love the early West shit so much. So it actually does make me sad to think about the new West stuff uh, in a way. Well, the new West stuff, the newest stop him West. from making movies. I'm not trying to. Um, the newest West that I liked the most is probably Moonrise Kingdom, but it's been a minute since I've seen that. Um, and I do have not seen Fantasmetro Fox in, like, basically 12 years. So, don't know what the hell's going on over there. Uh, and I was, like, however old, like, 12 when I watched that for the first time. So, I don't have a lot to say about it. I liked the first vignette with Vinicio and Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody's probably my Mercedes Valuable player. Uh, 
for uh, French Dispatch, but yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot to say about it. So that's it, Mason. This is the top five moment. This is top the moment five. everyone's been waiting for. The fucking top five. Are you ready? Let's go. My number five. Mm-hmm. This movie almost wins the biggest climber award for me, but we'll get to one later, actually, that did climb even higher. Watch this movie for the first time on January 17th, 2021. Wow, early, I, early yeah. this year. I rented it, actually, because I was so interested in seeing it on Amazon. And then, since then, it's been added to Hulu. So I rewatched it, actually, for this episode because it had been so long, and it's on Hulu currently um, on December 14th. This is a documentary directed by Mr. Lance Oppenheim. This is Some Kind of Heaven. I, I didn't see it, I, I but I'll give it a Do you know what it is? Either. I don't think so. Really? No. Oh, okay. Here we go. Maybe, maybe, give me the plot. Maybe, give me the plot. I, it's not ringing any bells right now. Uh, Lance Oppenheim is a filmmaker uh, from from Florida, and near where he grew up is the largest retirement community in the United States, maybe even the world, called the oh, Villages. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. So he goes to the Villages and finds a couple people in the Villages and follows them around sort of about this place and about getting older and about aging and the different sort of qualms and the different sort of trials and tribulations that come with getting older and follows these people around. You also get a little bit of history about Florida and about the villages in the first place. And it's just a really, it's just like beautiful. It's just like lush. It's shot really well. The score is great. And I loved following these people around because Lance is so able to find the humanity in these people so quickly and there's some people in this doc who are a little challenging at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's able to cut through and find the humanity. And it's like instantaneous. And I was like, damn, this guy's like our age. You know, he's like a young guy. Uh, this movie was produced by Darren Aronofsky um, because he like just ravishingly reached out to filmmakers that he loved and respected and ended up reaching out to Aronofsky was able to get through at one point after a million and a half tries. He did it actually, he did an episode of Yeah, But Still and an episode of Office Hours with Tim Heidecker where he sort of talks about the process of trying to get help and funding and distribution for this. And you can go listen to those and hear that. They're great interviews. And Lance is a really smart guy. He went to fucking Harvard. I mean, I mean, just like, you know, smart mm-hmm. fucking guy, really cool guy seemingly. Uh, but I just loved watching this. And I actually enjoyed rewatching it, I think, more than I enjoyed watching it the first time. Uh, it's just like a beautifully told story about the trials and tribulations of getting older through these three different people and couple, one of them's a couple and then the other two are singles. Uh, and it's just really heartbreaking and also beautiful and just bittersweet and all those things that sort of come with getting older and getting your heart broken and, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate through life. It just is a really touching film. I would, I absolutely recommend this movie if you've even never heard of it, never seen it. I loved it. Uh, and shout out to, again, Christian Hurley for even letting me know about this movie in the first place because he's the one who told me about it either at the end of 2020 or the very beginning of 2021. He's like, this movie's about to come out. You got to see it. Go watch the trailer. And I did. And I had a great time. Uh, I, and he's got even shorts on Netflix, too. If you just search Lance Oppenheim on YouTube, he's got a short about this place called Long Term Parking, which is like a village in I think I've LAX. heard of that. 
where people who are like work in the airline industry basically live. And it's really interesting. He's got a documentary about a man who's lived on cruise ships for like multiple years, like more than 10 years, mm. like some closer to 20. He's just able to find these really interesting people and pull their humanity out. Uh, but for this movie in particular, for some kind of heaven, I'm going to go ahead and give a co-Mercedes valuable player. Cinematographer David Bolin. Movie looks fucking great. Usually you don't think about documentaries of having like particularly good cinematography, but this one does have particularly good cinematography. Uh, and then the composer, Ari Baluzian, I believe is how you say it, just kind of goes to show you that just because something is a doc doesn't mean it can't have beauty in its production value. And there's beautiful production values in this movie. Yeah, so that's my number five, because I'm kind of heaven. Nice. By Lance Oppenheim. Some kind great of movie. heaven. Check it out. Check it out, folks. Check uh, it out. Right, you, ready num- you ready for my number five? Yeah, I guess so. Do it. All right. This is a movie that I saw twice in theaters. First time was on was on its opening weekend in October. On October twenty second in IMAX at the at the uh, Regal Western, and then again. Saw it again on November 30th, when I had the day after I got my booster shot. And that is Denis Villeneuve's Dune. The beach that gives you a big old worm. Uh, <laughs> the beach planet that gives you a big old worm. Um, I one of my favorite like early um film going just memories and it just kind of a transportive and early important rather film going experience for me was seeing like the Lord of the Rings movies on the big screen. Um, and just watching this place that doesn't exist, exists so, and feel so like tactile and so in front of my face and like, I could just reach out and grab it. Um, and Dune, the first Dune part one, we got to, make sure that we say are clear about that dune part one was a movie that gave me that kind of that same um uh, uh, uh deep feeling of just like awe and wonder and especially since i had actually read the first dune book the second dune book and i'm about 100 pages from the end of children of dune the third book in the series uh and just the kind of miracle of this movie and how grand denis villeneuve made it um made me soy face under my mask the first time that I damn. saw it. And I couldn't get the damn worm out of my head, couldn't get the damn uh, world of Arrakis out of my head. And just the whole, it was such a treat to like um, watch this movie and then go online and just see people gushing and having a great time just um, talking about their favorite moments and things like that. I felt like we hadn't gotten something that felt like that um, organic in a long time. Uh, and especially in the sort of the Marvel era where everything just seems like so uh, lab tested to give you these specific like just high points in the middle of the movie um, and they don't really like stick around much afterwards. Um, but Dune was a was an experience that that lasted with me long after um, and I can't wait to revisit the, the desert planet of Arrakis whenever part two comes out. Really one of the best big um, kind of when I want when I think of what I want like big movies to be Dune is kind of is an example that I want to use moving forward. Just giving a guy that has clearly loves the material kind of free reign to tell that story. However, however he wants to make a, a, a world feel just lived in and, and epic and, and awesome. Um, and with that, my Mercedes valuable player, uh, watch Dune if you haven't already. Uh, and if uh, my Mercedes valuable player, 
It's got to go to Shai Halud. Got to go to that big old worm that's under that desert planet there. Um, this, uh, uh, which is just um, the coolest creature, uh, the coolest sci-fi creature that we've gotten on screen in, in a while. Uh, Dune, baby. Dune, baby, Dune. That's it. <laughs> that's what I was looking up while you were talking about it. I found the, <laughs> what's this one? Oh, that was Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. Um, I actually told myself this before we started recording. When we were prepping, when I was prepping, I said, I know Mason's mm-hmm. going to talk about Dune, um, and I'm just not going to say anything about it. Except for the fact that I saw it in IMAX when it was re-released uh, with my buddy, shout out to Alexander, went to the Universal City Walk and saw it in IMAX, yes. which, if you're going to see the movie, and you can see it in IMAX... See it in IMAX. IMAX. Yes. And there are some very cool moments to see in IMAX. And that's all I'm going to say about Doom. Because I'm glad that people really like it. And I just don't want to go there and be talking about that movie in that way. I just don't. I just have no interest in getting into that. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Just getting into the whole thing. I just don't want to talk about it at a certain level. So why not? <laughs> I just because it just there's no reason to talk about it. I think because uh, I just you know if people like it, people like it. I didn't for a certain amount of reasons, and I don't want to go there. <laughs> I just I don't want to talk about it in that way. So I'm glad people right. like it, and that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> glad glad people like it. Fuck 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 <laughs> fuck fuck fuck. That's what I'll say about it. That's what I'll say about it. I'll leave it there. Number four, right? We doing that, right? Yeah, number four. We're on number four. Mason, my number four. Yes. Only as of yesterday when I was prepping this, only 516 people have seen this movie according to Letterboxd.com. Oh, okay. And of the people I follow, only one other person has seen it. Me and one other guy who I've never met. I just follow him on Letterboxd. Oh, okay. And I think the reason why people haven't seen this movie, the biggest reason, there's two big reasons, but I think the biggest reason people haven't seen it is because it's on a little streaming service called Peacock. You ever heard of Peacock, Mason? That's the NBC streaming service. That is the NBC streaming service. Free with ads. Free with ads. And so you don't need to pay one red cent to see this movie. It is free. But a lot of people just don't use it. It's just such an underused streaming service. And I think the second reason that people don't haven't seen this movie is because they might not be mm-hmm. familiar with the sort of ringleader of this film. Some people are. And if you are familiar, you're like, oh, I got to see this. But not a lot of... The, the name Joe Firestone is not a household name, unfortunately. And she is so She funny, is if you're though. from Chicago. And she is if you watch Joe Parra Talks With You. And she's so funny and so good at what she does that when I found out that she was not only getting a comedy special, but it was like a comedy special documentary about yeah. her teaching a comedy class, I had to watch I'm familiar this, shit. With this movie. Yeah. It's so good. And this movie is called Good Timing with Joe Firestone, directed by Julie Miller. Uh, like I said, she plays Sarah on Joe Parra Talks with You. She's tremendously funny. And during the pandemic, she was teaching a Zoom 
comedy class, a Zoom comedy stand-up class, how to be stand-up comedian. And it's all senior citizens. It's like exclusively for old people. And she just loves doing this shit. And she teaches this class. And for the last class, they were actually all able to meet in person. So they got a camera crew together and they filmed the last session of the comedy class before their final class, which was a comedy showcase where each senior citizen gets to go up on stage and do five minutes of stand-up. And it is so heartwarming and so there's so much wisdom in this movie and so many truly funny moments, like moments that you just can't write that happen in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a, such, a, such a wonderful thing to watch. I watched this movie on October 15th during my very stressful two weeks of trying to get out of the place that I was living and into this new place that I'm in. And this was just so nice, especially during that time. And I highly, it's only like, how long is it? It's like 49 minutes long or something like that. It's like not long at all. And I just fucking loved watching it. It's so, it'll just put a smile on your face. So my Mercedes Valuable Player is, of course, Joe Firestone. She's so good at eliciting these seniors' creative spark and talking to them in a way, talking to people who maybe aren't comedians or people who aren't, like, putting that foot forward most of the time, getting them to react in ways and think about things in ways. That's just sort of beautiful, and it just goes to show you, you can do anything that you want to in this world, no matter how old you are. It's beautiful be kind of an interesting double feature actually with some kind of heaven in that old person sort of mode of thinking now Um, you like movies about old people you like old people movies i do uh this is great this is a great movie you gotta see this movie at one point was my number two actually but some things snuck in there at the last minute that's my number four gotcha good timing with joe firestone on peacock check it out what did i watch this oh yes I said it. I was on Peacock at the old Highland Park place. That's where I used to live. I can dox it now. I used to live in Highland Park. Not anymore. Ha ha. Ah! That's ah! all I'm going to say. You used to live in Highland Park? You didn't tell me you lived in Illinois. Okay. There's a Highland Park, Illinois. Fuck! 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 We're playing, We're playing all of them for that. <laughs> What the fuck was that? What was that? I don't know what the hell that was. I just started playing shit. Yeah, anything to say about this movie, Joe Firestone at all, or do you just want to move the fuck on? Uh, moved on. I haven't seen it. Uh, again, I'm not a huge streaming service uh, guy, even free streaming services like uh, like Peacock. But it sounds it sounds very sweet. Sounds very heartwarming. My heart is warm enough. I feel. Uh, but I'm sure I'd like it if I gave it 50 minutes. Uh, what makes you not a streaming service guy? That's a weird thing to say. I just when I'm on my laptop, I don't want to have peak. I, the only thing I want to have is is HBO Max if I'm going to watch anything. Uh, I think it's it. Even the UI is 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 open. I just and the other thing is I don't. I just I don't have a good answer for you. That's it. I just don't like them. I don't think that it's a put my foot down. I'm I'm sick of these things sort of thing. Um, I just they don't interest me. If I want to watch a, a movie or something, I kind of want to get like a DVD. I kind of want to go to a theater. I'm kind of a creature of habit like that. Um, that's it. That's really it. All right. Okay, move on. Tell me your shit. I have nothing. Speaking. I can't. I can't say anything to that. That's just. That's wild. But yeah. Okay. Fine. Go for it. What's your fucking thing? 
This movie I watched, number four, on my birthday at the Gene Sisko Film Center, November 16th of this year. Uh, and that is Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir Part 2. Uh, I watched this movie uh, in concert with the first part. The only day that the Siskel Center was showing Parts 1 and 2 was actually on my birthday. And I thought the universe was giving me that gift. And I was going to give that gift to myself. So... Taking uh, long-time listeners of the show will know The Souvenir Part 1 is one of my favorite, 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 favorite movies. Um, That movie struck me like a bolt of lightning when I saw it for the first time in 2019. And I went into Part 2, I guess, cautiously optimistic and also understanding that it probably wasn't going to hit me as hard as the first one did. Um, And while that's true in some sense, I don't feel like it completely switched around my my insides like the first one did. It did illustrate something which is kind of baked into the cake of the both of these parts here uh, of this movie here. Um, Part one was was much more observational in its storytelling, followed the movement of a relationship and set us up as spectators to the story of Tony and Julie. And it played with reflection, the merging of identity. Um, It made them the the central uh, relationship sort of one and the same. And as it ends with Tony's death and Julie witnessing a sunrise or sunset, however you want to read that, um, it it sort of signifies the arrival of a new day. And I waited on bated breath for, for part two. And from the first moment of part two, where it kind of, picks up with like the same notes even that part one ends i knew that i was in incapable hands and just sort of set myself my heart open to whatever this movie was about and part two is much warmer it there's a somewhat more of a narrative distance i feel that that you feel in part one than than part two and it's kind of about breaking down part the events you became familiar with in part one and then um following this julie character as she um, her trials of, of making part one basically into the movie and into something that makes makes sense here. Um, it's kind of it's similar to Drive My Car in a way where you have to have this sort of like long prologue so that you understand what this this creative person is making in this movie. But here's one thing: this 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 sort of observation came to me late at night last night. Um, does the souvenir part one and two make the argument that you have to endure unspeakable tragedy to make great art? I don't necessarily think so. Julie herself struggles to communicate the raw experience of her relationship to her collaborators and ultimately to herself. The resultant film within a film, that's what it could be called, isn't a deeper reflection of the earlier events um, in the way that she's trying to make it in the beginning of the movie, but it's rather it's sort of an abstract recollection of her grief. It kind of shows you that no matter how many much raw feeling you, you feel about an event, you have to kind of... Um, uh, if you're going to make art about that event um, or kind of translate those feelings, you have to um, sort of give up any sort of understanding and just like the film, The Souvenir Part 2 says, just the goal of your life is to live your life. Um, that graduation film sequence, though, um, in its uh, sort of playful and, and abstract um, sort of deeply like kind of sub or unconscious, whatever it is, um, uh, uh, a recollection piece of the the events of the earlier film is my Mercedes valuable player for the souvenir part two. Um, and also the ending of the movie, which I think just, just really brings the whole thing straight through to a touchdown. I think that this is a tremendous work as a total part one and two um, working in tandem together. Um, one of the best sort of 
movies about making movies and especially movies about making movies as a young person and how you have to sort like your ambitions sort of get whittled down over over a period but you become comfortable with that you become comfortable with the arc of your life and what you've experienced it and just um that's it that's it i i really adore this movie i can't wait for it to come out on blu-ray double feature because i lost my souvenir part one blu-ray and i miss it terribly joanne hogg's a souvenir part two um I was looking, while you were talking, I was looking on Letterboxd to see what my review of The Souvenir was, because I haven't seen Souvenir Part 2. And it's crazy to reread this. I watched this movie on, Mm -hmm. I watched The Souvenir Part 1 on May 29th, 2019, like, maybe a week removed from graduating college. And I was still living in Orange County at the time. This This is my first paragraph of that review. Unable to rate properly, as there was an old couple who came in for just the first 20 minutes, talked in an audible volume, asked if the lead actress was a boy, and then left after they realized what movie they were watching. If you're five and younger or 70 and older, just don't come to the theater if you can't handle it. <laughs> and then you did not I, have the ideal viewing experience for the for Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir. Clearly not, dude. Oh, my God. And then I talk about that I just wasn't crazy about it, even though I had those extenuating circumstances. Um, and then my last paragraph is, not a bad movie at all. I just didn't care for it. Postgrad is awesome, by the way. You can see a movie no one has heard of at 1.45 in the afternoon, um, which is, I guess, what I did. I know, I remember going to the UCI, University of California, Irvine, theater which was yeah. where a lot of those art releases would go in orange county that was near um maybe one day i'll rewatch the souvenir but as crazy that i wrote that <laughs> as my letterbox review of the first part um and then as you were talking i searched this so let's play this sound effect see what this is all about what the hell <laughs> <laughs> that's it i guess that I guess that was it um i'm glad you like i think you would like this I think you would like the souvenir part two more than part one. That's seemingly. All I'll say. Seemingly. Yeah. Um, we're not going to do that with the hell sound effect anymore because that one kind of fucking sucked. Number three. We're, to ma- we're hitting the top three now, Mason. Here's what I'll say. I did. I had a little bit of, I did not have as hard of a time putting this list together overall. As it sounds like you did. I had a really hard time last week. Yeah. This week I didn't have as much of a hard time. The top yeah. five I was pretty confident about. 10 through 6, I wasn't as confident about in terms of order, not mm-hmm. in terms of movies, just in terms of order. I feel pretty damn confident about my top five, though, in terms of movies and order. But now we're in the top three. And this movie grew on me, like, immediately after I walked out. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And then I, like, thought about it. I got in my car and drove back to my apartment, and I was like, oh, fuck, this movie is really fucking good. Holy shit. Uh, this is maybe this is one of my favorites of the year. I said it just like that. This is one of my favorites of the year. And I said it like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big fucking piece of shit. one of my favorites of the year. Um, but I watched this on December 11th at the AMC Burbank 16. Mason, did you know there are three AMCs in Burbank all within walking distance of each other? You you really just have a little bit of everything in the city of Los Angeles, don't you? The Los did Angeles you know that, general though? area. Isn't I didn't actually know. It's fucking That's crazy. Weird. I know. Didn't it just, take? Did that AMC take over another movie theater? Or why are there so many AMCs up in Burbank? 
I don't know. And they're all within walking distance of each other, which is the weird thing. Like, the 16 is obviously the biggest one, and that's the one I went to. And I actually remember my ticket was weird. I sat in the movie, and there was nobody else in the theater for opening weekend of this film, which was kind of a major indie release. And I'm like, where the fuck is anyone? Also, why hasn't the movie started yet? And I walked out and just like saw like what was around me. They had switched the theater to the next door theater, and they didn't tell me. Because I guess what? when I had bought it, it was in a certain theater. And then like between when I had bought it and when they screened it, it had moved next door. But one of my tickets said Theater X, and it was actually playing in Theater Y. And then I checked, and whatever. It was confusing. Thought I was going to miss the beginning of the movie. And I'm truly glad that I didn't because I loved, loved, loved this movie. And the more I think about it, the more I love it. This is directed by Sean Baker. This is Red Rocket. Mason. I haven't seen it yet. I have. I didn't get a chance to see it yet, which really uh, annoyed me making this list here. So, it's tell fantastic. me about it. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, it's so fantastic. Um, I loved like we talked about when we did our top ten of the decade. You know, the first time around we were doing this kind of show. Florida Project's in my top ten of the decade. I love, love, love that movie. Thought it was fantastic what he was able to do in terms of storytelling and filmmaking both the storytelling and the filmmaking i think are just totally fantastic in that movie in their own special way uh he creates these sun-drenched environments which are so beautiful and just sort of these complicated situations and he just sort of throws you in the middle and in this movie even more than the florida project he really ratchets all that shit up and really pushes limits in terms of like how much you're able to like give like breaks to this lead character and how much you're able to like empathize with him. Uh, It's just crazy to watch this guy work. And it reminds me a lot of a movie you and I really like one of the first things actually you and I ever talked about on the phone, which is Elaine May's the heartbreak kid. Uh, Mm. There is a very Mm -hmm. similar uh, style of tactics being used in uh, the heartbreak kid and by Simon Rex who plays Mikey Saber in red rocket, in my opinion. This mm. character is selfish, he's id-driven, he's fucking horny as all hell, he's extremely immature, and it's just dazzling to watch this guy weave in and out, you see what he's going to get away with, see what he's not going to get away with, see him get knocked down, see him get back up, how much he's able to sort of do mental gymnastics over. It's great. Had a great time in its own special way watching this movie. Um, so my co-Mercedes Valuable player for this is, of course, Simon Rex, Movie doesn't really work if you don't have a great actor and a great performance in that lead character, and he's so yeah. great. More than anything, excuse me. More than anything, it's great casting. Like picking yeah. Simon Rex to play that character is an incredible choice on Sean Baker's part. But he does a great job in that role. And then the editing in the movie, in particular, the first half, the way that the first half of the film is strung together, is really, really great. Just really special. And Sean Baker actually edits the movie himself, which normally I feel scared about when I see a director is also the credited editor. I'm like, that's like Mm. never a good sign. I feel like, I feel like you've got to have another person in that room to like give you sort of like a sense of perspective (laughs) a little bit, you know, when Mm. you're trying to make something. But it it gets a little slower as the movie goes along, but it doesn't really matter in my opinion. I know that's a problem for some people with the movie, but not for me. Um, and then my Zevon is set more movies in like shithole cities like Texas City, Texas, dude. I love that Absolutely. kind of setting in a movie, and it just doesn't happen. This literally does feel like a movie that was released in like 1974 that just happened to come out in 2021 in some ways. So 
Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Can't wait for you to see this one, Mason. Red Rocket, my number three. Red, red, red rocket. rocket. Yum. Yum. And you know what that gets, my man? You know what that gets, my man? That gets a fucking McDonald's flute from me. Cool. Uh, like I said, I'm just, I, it was playing in theaters, uh, just started in Chicago, and I didn't get a chance to make it over there just because of my own insane schedule when it came out. But I am looking forward to catching up with that in the new year. Uh, and looking forward to adding it, uh, adding it to my list, my end oh. of year list when I oh. when I do that when I when I yeah. Uh, this should go without saying that this is kind of tentative based off of everything that I've seen from this year as of December twenty sixth. Uh, but in any case, my number three, Noah mentioned it earlier. It's Ryosuke Hamaguchi's Drive My Car. Um, Saw this movie at this Gene Siskel Film Center on Saturday, December 11th. I honestly don't have too much more to say about it than you did earlier. But my takeaway from this movie was kind of it's it's about like the different ways that you have that you have to get resolution and closure to your grief and kind of the lengths that you have to go to to receive that closure. Uh, a modest and powerful work of grace and understanding is what I said. Um I think the length really works to the service of this movie here. Tip, you know, I think that there's a a uh, a tendency maybe to expect long movies have to f- uh, uh, fill with like spectacle and things like that. But I don't, I don't necessarily really agree with that. I think that the kind of the longer that you are with with people and and a particular kind of relationship, I guess, like in Drive My Car. Um, the more you can get in tune to sort of like the rhythms of their their circumstance and their their life and experience, and just also like seeing um, uh, Kafuku like kind of in this very contained depression and grief versus where he ends up. Like the last time you see him on stage in Uncle Vanya, really was was I was really moved by that. Same thing with uh, Misaki, um, uh, just just watching their relationship. Uh, over these the the sort of three hours of this movie was was one of my favorite um, just kind of almost religious and spiritual experiences of going to the movie this year. Um, really respect, and I like that you shouted out their particular um, their partnership in this. But my Mercedes Valuable Player, I'm actually going to give to uh, Urim Park, I believe is her name, um, who played or Park Urim, who played um, the the mute um, actress. Uh, in oh, sure, in the sure. movie, the South Korean mute actress, who I think has um, one I'd never seen sign language in another language before, um, uh, even though that's something that I assume you know would makes intuitive sense and never thought to be like, oh yeah, they definitely have sign languages in other language, um, but her like kind of um, grace and, and heart and, and compassion I think is kind of the the heart of this movie. Uh, my biggest surprise, and I hope that. Um, she, I thought she was just really luminous and, and, and wonderful in Drive My Car. Uh, go to see it in the big on the big screen really is kind of my advice with this one. Because if you watch it at home, you're going to be distracted and you're kind of maybe likely to fall out of the rhythms of this. Um, but I really, really adored this movie. Um, one of my favorite theater-going experiences and also it was like kind of after theater-going experiences was just letting it, letting it sublimate even when I was running around the city trying to do fit too much into my evening (laughs) Um, it is sort of an unexpected two-hander in a way too that's something i didn't really mention earlier is that you think it's about the uh yusuke character and it ends up being not only just about him but about the masake character as well which is unexpected and you would hope that in a movie 
that is three hours long that you would get what this movie does in its three hours as opposed to yeah. what other movies of certain lengths do where it just feels drawn out for the sake of being drawn out. It's like, well, I paid I paid fifteen seventy five for my ticket. I'm going to get my fucking money's worth. And it's like, well, that's actually a lot of the time not what happens. So, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are we get are we are we top two territory here, my man? Let's get top two territory. Top two territory. The, yeah, top two territory. Number two. I watched this movie on May thirty first in a hotel room in Lincoln, Nebraska, my friend. Hey. 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 <laughs> hey. Um, and then I rewatched it on December thirteenth. And Mason, this movie gets my award. Biggest Climb. Biggest Climb. For Biggest Climb. This movie was an honorable mention at one time and now is my number two favorite of 2021. Directed by Bo Burnham. This is Mm. Bo Burnham's Inside, my man. Bo Burnham's Inside. And I'll tell you why. People are extremely polarized by Bo. Some people really don't like him. Some people really like him. I've always fallen in the camp of liking him. Ever since I heard words, words, words when I was in eighth grade in 2011. I was like, yeah, I like this shit. But when I watched it the first time, again, I was in fucking Lincoln, Nebraska. I was in the middle of my road trip. I liked it. But I wasn't, like, head over heels with this thing like a lot of other people were when this thing first came out. And obviously, 2020 was, it's always going to be remembered as the year that the pandemic started, more or less in America, at least. I know it started the in The year China. of our Satan. <laughs> That's me laughing at that. I've never heard that. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> never heard that shit before. Um Always going to be remembered as the year the pandemic really got going, especially in America and really worldwide, I think, ultimately. And what I really like about this movie, this special, this performance, whatever you want to call it, is it so directly shows an artistic journey, but also that personal journey of overcoming fear in a very direct way. This guy... Mm -hmm has been inside, as we all were for so long, quite literally, and he's trying to work on this special, and he can't really crack it. And some of the stuff at the beginning that's a little bit more like topical and political stuff, it hits to varying degrees of success. Some of it I think is good. Some of it I think isn't as good. But the last like 25 minutes of this special where he just really starts to like open up, quite literally, it's pretty spellbinding, I think. You're just getting such direct feeling and emotion from this guy and you have to go inside in order to go back outside and that's kind of what he that's kind of where he ends up you have to go through it you have to go through all that shit you have to go through those feelings that a lot of us were feeling myself included of worry of doubt of fear of 2020 not knowing what the fuck was gonna happen you know going forward every day it just felt like you woke up and you're like what the fuck is gonna happen now you know some bullshit, some crazy shit is going to happen. And with, by the end of that thing, with those last three songs in particular, I was so moved. I was like, yep, 
You got to go in inside to get outside. You got to go through it to get out of it. And I was just I was just blown away this time around. So my Mercedes Valuable Player is the All Eyes on Me song, specifically this passage where he stops singing and he says, you want to hear a funny story? Five years ago, I quit performing live comedy because I was beginning to have severe panic attacks while on stage, which is not a great place to have them. Canned laughter. Funny. Not really, but you know. So I quit. And I didn't perform for five years, and I spent that time trying to improve myself mentally. And you know what? I did. I got better. I got so much better, in fact, that in January of, long pause, 2020, I thought, you know what? I should start performing again. I've been hiding from the world, and I need to re-enter. And then the funniest thing happened. Canned laughter. That, to me, when I saw that again this most recent time, I was like... Yep. <laughs> it just struck a chord in that way where it's like you're getting ready to do things. You felt like you had momentum. And then all of a sudden this thing comes along that forces you to do things that you didn't want to do and forces you to reconsider your life in this way. And he was getting ready to do that in a major way. And then all this shit happened that changed everything. I loved watching this. I've been listening to the last three tracks of this on repeat uh, basically since December whatever when I rewatched it. I know people out there don't like Bo for X, Y, and Z reasons, but I think he's phenomenally talented, and that is why Bo Burnham Inside, my number two, 2021. Uh, I'm one of those guys that Bo Burnham is just not on my frequency. It was also a Netflix special, so, I mean, I'm glad you like it. Will I give it a shot? Absolutely not. I, give it, a shot. There's no way you just you can't sit there and watch it on Netflix. If circumstance if if cir- a circumstance arises, maybe, but it's just uh, I it just uh, well, how about this? I'll let you have your fun. I'll let people who like it like it. That'll be my Dune for this year. You have your you have Dune. I have Inside. Well, you didn't even give and, it a chance. Uh, I gave it a chance. I gave Dune a chance. I gave into the hype, and I said, you know what? Let's see what this thing is all about. You haven't even given it a chance. Okay. So in a way, it's different. No, I have I'll say it's different. All right. It, you're right. You're right. You're right. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just allergic to Bo Burnham. I kind of trust my, my gut on that. Um, but I think that you might be uh, upset with me on my number two. But I just – it's one – uh, I, it's one that I re I, it's one I watched recently. I wanted to make sure I watched it before I made this list and I rewatched it a little bit earlier this afternoon just to kind of test the temperature on it. And honestly, maybe with time, this will be my, I'll look back and this will be my favorite movie from this year. And it kind of surprised me the power that this movie had when I watched it and how protective I am of it from all the, from all the haters out there. And just really how moved I was watching this movie. But brother, The Matrix Resurrections <laughs> is so fucking good. <laughs> better than it had any right to be. Better than I expected it to be. Maybe I was wrong to doubt it. Maybe not. But kind of how you were talking about how with inside you have to go through all this shit you know to to come out on the other side my top two movies here and this is what i'll say to kind of tee up in these top two there's one thing that i learned to appreciate in the year of 2021 
it was the 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 power of partnership and kind of how many times just yourself you can get into yourself you can start to know yourself you can go through these cycles you can recognize patterns that you 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 get yourself into you can you know things like that feelings come up familiar like that and there's strength in knowing that and there's strength in going through but really sometimes all you need is another one other person there um and i came to really appreciate the matrix series being ultimately about that when i rewatched the first one a couple weeks ago to get ready for number four didn't finish the middle two sequel rewatching the middle two sequels which i have seen before before i went to see resurrections but i finished rewatching reloaded last night i think i have revolutions up to watch tonight and i know that these movies and particularly the sequels aren't everybody's cup of tea and the first one first matrix is kind of a perfect movie i think um just just so compact and such its own perfect little universe there it's it's difficult to mess with it too much but what i love about the what i love about matrix resurrections is i feel like it's a gift that will keep on giving i think it's exhilarating i think it's fearless i think it's smart i think it's it has incredibly strong world building um and it's ultimately a movie about Maybe even more so than a hero's journey. I think that just the idea of of love conquering all is kind of the ultimate story movie story that you can you can tell. Just my favorite kind of story is is just something that so deeply believes in in the power of 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 uh, of love and just just fighting against just systems that are set up to keep that away from you. Um, and just how you can really change the world when when you have that feeling and you go after it actively. Um, it's my favorite sequel. It's my favorite franchise sequel since The Last Jedi, which is another movie that I really, really adore. Um, and I think that this is a movie that will, again, be polarizing. It's a polarizing franchise. But I don't know, man. People were trying to come at me with a bad attitude about this earlier, and I was just dodging them like I was in, like I was freaking Neo of my own. Um, I really was moved by this movie, and I think that maybe it's a silly thing to say about a franchise, a tentpole release, especially when the movie itself is trying to, and like, um, uh, 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 investigate and interrogate and beat against, um, fight against, like, sort of samey franchise studio filmmaking but it's its own personal vision it's of a piece not with oh, the um the earlier matrix movies but in the wachowski's larger filmography it's it's kind of a work of art inside of the studio system and i really think that we get so few of those we get so few things that feel like this this person will have this much heart in it in a given year in general like on this scale and I got to shout it out. And I got to shout it out to the GOAT herself, Lana Wachowski. I shouldn't have doubted her. I don't know. Um, but she really was able to deliver the goods, get a good team together. She, um, you know, uh, uh, used the, she, the way that she and her, her team, her creative team, used sort of contemporary filmmaking and contemporary technology and, and played around with with how this movie just fucking looks and moves in places was revolutionary in its own right. It's just such an exciting thing to have and that I can just turn it on on HBO Max anytime I want until they take it off and until I can buy it on Blu-ray. So 
if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go out to the theaters to see it. Um, I think Brave Omicron, and if you're nervous about that, I understand. Watch it at home. I think it'll and hope it'll probably hit the same way. Maybe not as hard for you as it does for me, but I can't deny my heart on this. I, I love this freaking movie, and I am, um, yeah, I love it. That's all I got to say. You haven't seen it yet, have you? I have not seen it yet. And I, like most people, I love the fucking first Matrix so much. I was lucky enough to see it, not in its IMAX re-release, but in the either the beginning of 2020. Oh, no, you know what? It was the end of 2019 because it was the 20th anniversary. Yeah. They re-released yeah, it yeah, in yeah. Dolby Vision um, at the Burbank yeah. AMC. And I went to go see that with Ben Massey and Dustin Titcomb and Ben's wife, Christina. Uh and I was like, holy shit, this is one of the best movies ever made. Like, holy fuck. It's, it's so fucking yeah. good. It, it's unbelievable. I actually do have, like, a silly question, though, about it. And I haven't been too afraid to just ask. So I'll just ask publicly on a podcast. Do you yeah. have to have seen Revolution, Revolutions and uh, Reloaded? Revolutions and Reloaded, um, what you need from those two movies will be in Matrix Resurrections, I feel. Um those two movies get super kind of heady with the the world and the like the kind of deconstructing the hero's journey and the sort of philosophy and choice and belief and all of that that like i would say it's probably good to just dive right into matrix resurrections i think that it create it's it creates the world in a mo- way more accessible way than the earlier two movies um and if you're curious to revisit them definitely revisit them i th- it, it Without well, I've getting, never like, the, seen two in Matrix Reloaded or Resurrections, or excuse me, not Resurrections, re, uh, Revolutions. That's why I'm asking. Because yeah. do I need to watch yeah, that yeah, yeah. to get Resurrections or no? I think you're okay without it, honestly. Okay. All right. I'm not. I'm unfortunately, like I said at the beginning, I'm trying not to get fucking Omicron between now and when I have to fly back because I don't want to mess that travel plan up. So, yeah. unfortunately, it is going to have to be an HBO Max thing. Probably, unfortunately for me, if I am trying to see it, but. I want to love it. I want to love it. I wasn't like, gotta see this in theaters on opening night, excited about Matrix Resurrections. But just on the strength of the first one alone, it's a great franchise. Just straight up. It's so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, So I am cautiously optimistic uh, about Matrix Resurrections. You comparing it to Last Jedi does not bode well for me personally, though, because I do not like Last Jedi. I know you don't like that movie that much. Um, so that's not good to be honest with you, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping I like it. I haven't seen it yet, but hoping, hoping to, hoping to get something good out of Matrix Resurrections. Well, Mason, we've reached, we've made it to the end. We've made it to the end. Last podcast for 2021 for it's on the list. And I got my number one right here. And I actually know what your number one is just by process of elimination. I'm actually surprised it's your number one if I'm being completely honest with you. But uh, my number one, watched it on November 25th, Thanksgiving 2021 at the aforementioned AMC Sunset 5, my favorite AMC I've ever been to. Shout out to the AMC Sunset 5. I didn't really know what this movie was going to be because I didn't watch a trailer for it. I just heard good things about it from friends. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going back for Thanksgiving this year. And I saw two movies on that day. I saw two movies. The movie in the evening that I actually had a great day. I went to Cantor's Deli for lunch on that day. Mwah, Chef's Kiss, Ooh. great place to go. Mwah. Love it, love it, love it. Then I went to go see this movie. I had a break. And then I went to go see King Richard at Universal, which, not great. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Not not great. But Will Smith will maybe win an Oscar. But I don't know. Not a great movie. All he's due. Considered. He's due. What can you say? No. But he's due, I suppose. I guess so. But this is the movie I saw first. This was my first head of the double mm-hmm. feature for me that day. And I walked out and I went, I think that's the movie to beat for me for number one of the year. Yeah. This is a drama directed by Mike Mills. This is Come On, Come On, Baby. Love, love, love this movie. And I actually don't want to say too much about it, ultimately. Uh, Because it is another one I think that you just have to experience to fully, fully get. Me pitching it to you might not be interesting, actually. Uh, But you just have Mm -hmm. to take my word that this is a great fucking movie. If the quote by Jenny Holzer that she uses in her artwork turns soft and lovely anytime you have the chance means anything to you, you should go see this movie immediately. Um, I wish that this movie came out when I was in high school. I just wish that I've, I wish that I could have it through high school and through college and now this part of my life. And I'm aching to go back to the theater or just see it again. Hopefully I can catch it in theaters uh, before it leaves. Maybe it's already gone. Who knows? My Mercedes Valuable Player, it's got to be that kid, Woody Norman as Jesse. It's a great, great so performance by that good. kid. Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy to think. That's a, that would be a tough role for a fully grown person to have to pull off. And he's not even a teenager yet. He's like a little yeah. kid. Well, he's not a little kid anymore. He's like 12, I think, now. But when they shot it, he was probably like 10, 9 or 10. And he's so fucking good. It's unreal that he is that good in that movie. The whole cast is good. Well, everything about this movie is good. But in particular, I think he is sort of the secret sauce, the secret, the 11, the secret 11 herbs and spices that make this movie crackle and pop. Um, and then just sort of that documentarian approach that they have interspliced throughout the movie about asking young people about the world. This is a movie that treats young people with a lot of respect and a lot of like gravity to what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really beautiful that a movie, an adult a movie for adults. This is not a family film. This is not, you know, fucking some animated whatever. This is a movie for adults, you know. Treats younger people with that kind of respect and that sort of admiration and whatever. And they actually ask those questions. And I think that asking those questions is more important than whatever the answer is. Asking those big questions and having those thoughts in your head about life and about the world way more important than whatever the answer ends up being, but just having those questions out in the world and in your mind. Amazing. I love this movie for its tenderness. It's no bullshit attitude, and it's overall sweetness. This is my movie of the year. Could easily see it being bumped up to a five-star on rewatch. Um, cried many times watching this one. I know you weren't as crazy about it, and I don't want to hear... <laughs> I don't want to fucking hear it. Here's what I'll say. It's in my top 20 of movies this year, and I did see 42 movies this year. So there it's... You go. That's yeah. pretty good. I didn't. Pretty good. And the more movies from this year I see, the more you know, the more I think it's sort of spot in that in that sort of ranking is going to stay stay firm. I just uh, I saw it with Chef Ryan Kenny, and he was uh, I don't want to dox him or out him, but he was a, a wet blubbering mess watching this movie. Love that dude. Yeah, here's what I'll say. I am. There are people that are really, really, really hot on this movie, really adored it, really found a lot to love in this movie. There are a lot of people that I think are are really kind of stinkers about it and really mean uh, to it for no reason. I am kind of right in the middle with it. Um, I, I love 20th century women. 
um, that kind of has everything that I'm looking for in a movie. Um, and I really do admire this movies and Mike Mills just sort of commitment to to tenderness and and curiosity like that. Um, and all I all I really have to say is there were just a couple more movies I liked this year, but I think that this is really worth you worth your time if you haven't seen it yet. It's it's really it, I think it's kind of the movie that will it's a, it is a movie that I think will can and will reveal yourself back to you if you're really um, willing to to open your heart up to it. Um, but it's uh, I, I I would I vouch for it too. It's got a little, my little cosine stamp, even if it's not my number one. Thank you, Mason. Thank you for that. And now I know what your number. I know what your number one is. If you've been following along at home, you might also know what it is too. My number one is licorice pizza. I'll just come out and say it. I, yeah, and just kind of even even though I've technically seen the Matrix Resurrections more times than I've seen licorice pizza, it's just, um, I, I. When I'm making these lists, I kind of try to I either, you know, just kind of throw everything I've seen at the wall and move things around until it looks right to me. That's what I did with our two-year anniversary this year, which is the everything that we've covered, you know, and seen for the first time. Uh, that's how Dreams became my number one was like, oh, like, this kind of makes sense. Licorice Pizza, I kind of had the sense was going to be my favorite movie of the year when I walked out of the theater. Um, and kind of for the same reasons, a lot of the same reasons that I brought up, The Matrix, the Matrix Resurrections, um... I have just so many um, disparate thoughts about the accomplishment that this movie is and just just how um, brimming and full of life and vibrant it was. Um, similar to you, you know, I, I here's what else. I love hangout movies. I think anytime that I watch a TV show or, or movies, um, I really just want to be spending time with interesting characters and particularly like interesting kind of tricky relationships um and in like a period piece like licorice pizza kind of interesting and in, and in, in tricky times um one of my favorite books of all time i read in high school it's called montana 1948 and it's about this very um small family drama that takes place in montana in 1948 and the end of the book um, it reveals that the narrator is a is a history teacher, grows up to be a history teacher, and he has this like sentence about paraphrasing here about how you know he gets a lot of fun out of teaching history these huge grand events um, because he like also thinks about like these sort of smaller intimate maybe dramas or moments that happen in the grand scope of these things. Um, and to me, Licorice Pizza is about how kind of love, as, as weird and strange as it is, is stronger than history. And kind of also how you have, like, I don't know if I felt quote-unquote represented on screen, sit, like, by a uh, character as much as I have the Alana Kane character. And, like, maybe since Julie in The, in the Souvenir, just... For as much as 2020, 2021 was me just, like, coming to terms with, like, relationships and, and things and patterns here, it was also just a time when I felt maybe the most driftless um, than I have in a very, very, very long time. Um, and this movie, I think, if the, the point of this movie to me is 
in those moments where you are drifting and uns, uh, unsure and, and insecure and maybe mad <laughs> and not um, quite living the life that you that you want to have or think that you're going to have, it's best just to run at full force to the thing that you love and and the thing that you love, the person that you love, whatever it is, it's going to also be running back at you at you full force there. Um, by the standards of today, you know, it's not a, it's a tricky relationship. Like I said, the the Alana Kane, the the um the the Cooper Hoffman Gary relationship here. But it's also the seventies. Like I don't. It's it. It was a different time. It's just in every relationship is fucking different. I I love their sort of the, the tenderness that they have for each other, the care that they have for each other, despite how prickly their fucking personalities can be. I think he's still got the juice, man. I I I really am excited to rewatch this movie and just be in this world. But the most exciting thing for me to return to this movie is uh, to return to this movie would be what my Mercedes Valuable Player is, which is just the fucking faces and personalities that you have in this movie, kind of unlike in any other movie. You shout out Harriet Sansom Harris earlier as your MVP. Um, the, Zivon. The, the Sean Penn. Zivon, I'm sorry. The the Jack Holden. Uh, the Sean Penn, Jack Holden, Tom Waits as the director, uh, Bradley Cooper as, as John Peters, um, and even Gary and all of his, his funny little friends. Um, the, the, the young John woman Michael Higgins to. as the guy who does the horrible Asian accent. Yeah. The racist guy in the movie, uh, yep. big surprise that there were racist guys in, in 1970, unfortunately. Um, God, when I think about that scene though, I just think about how like PTA like cuts to his his wife uh his quote unquote wife and she just looks like so sad you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. like just looks yeah. just and it's just oh my god um I don't know man I adore this movie I I respect other people's reservations and criticisms with it I it's not a pristine movie um but it's kind of the the full heart of that movie is is really something that i that i want to get any time that i sit down in in a in a in a theater chair is just the feeling of a, a beating vibrant heart this feeling of love this feeling of of um just just meeting cool people and that's just kind of you know what i got how i sort of organized my list here is it's just like did i feel the heart on screen um did i feel passion did i feel you know vulnerability or something and i I don't know man i really i really really love this movie that's it that's all i gotta say and that's the end of the show you made it yeah you don't even get the full thing you've heard enough you can you send us an email. Everybody wants to. The number two, get on the list at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at it's on the list pod. On Twitter at it's on underscore the list. On Instagram. Follow me on those social medias as well as you know, Butterbox included, my larger over there. You can listen to my favorite podcast. Podcast of the Cool Story of Things, currently on hiatus. Check out the back catalog. I probably should have plugged the Mason episodes this week and these other people's episode last week because it was more relevant. But either way, the episode I'll highlight this week is check out my interview with Sean Dunn and Cash Greener about LSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is episode 36. Loved doing that interview. That was a watershed moment in podcasting for me. <laughs> I'm fucking freaking, <laughs> freaking out and convulsing over here while I'm talking about it. <laughs> Noah, put the damn bong down. Sorry, dude. I have to smoke weed when I hear LSD. I have to smoke weed. Um, 
So this was a huge, this was a huge get for me. Sean and Cass are some of the most generous, nice people I've talked to ever. And go listen to that episode. It's a really interesting interview. I think I'm biased, obviously, but I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Because uh, they are acid users and they are very open about it. So go check out that episode if you've never heard it or if you've never listened to my favorite podcast. Just currently on hiatus. That is all I have. Happy New Year. Mason, what do you got? The Barn, the podcast about the Shield. A podcast about the Shield, rather. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Hot Dog Debicki. You can buy a shirt from my Teespring, which is Mason Merch Wire. Links to that. Get a sticker. Get the All Beer Should Be $1 sticker. Yes, buy into the manifesto. All Beer Should Be $1. Stickers, shirts, whatever you want, sweaters. Uh, what else do I have to plug? I think that's it. Uh, happy New Year. Hopefully we have good days ahead in 2022. Stay safe. Stay, uh, beautiful. Uh, tell someone you love them this week. Do something you love this week. Folks, we will see you all in the new year. Ho, ho, ho. Should all acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind. Should all acquaintance be forgot and, uh, all Lang podcast. Thank you. Jesus. Most people call it the Rona, but you're going with the vid.